Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Well, that sounds good. Just shuffling through my papers here, getting uh, everything all set to go. It's Tuesday, so uh, Monday's the only day I sort of go, oh, boy, I haven't done radio for a couple of days. You know, it's, uh, it's sort of a, it's a thing. <laughs> you know, like I say, it's that first pancake off the grill. After that, you know, they, they go great. Okay. Same thing with radio. First uh, show done in the, during the week, and after that, you know, we're, we're rolling here. So I'm just waiting for uh, Brianna, to, uh, Brianna Cannon to uh, join us here, uh, hopefully soon. And, oh, let me see. Oh, now she sends me an email. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, I got that one here. I got that one here. And dun, dun, dun. okay, that sounds good. All right. So I've got I got the notes. In fact, there she is. <laughs> this is kind of funny. So I'll have to inform my uh, my, my my young Padawan here that uh, yeah. Good morning, Brianna. Um, how you doing? Good morning. Good. There we go. Yeah. So if you send me an email right before the show starts. <laughs> I may or may not get it. Anyway, that was just kind of funny. So, uh, yeah. And, um, you know, all the things that happen on the show, background noise, things like that, I don't care. It's just whatever, whatever, wherever you are, people call in from cars. People, I have uh, tropical birds, you know, from Alan when he calls in from Belize. So it's just, we just go with it. You know, somebody's dog was barking last week. <laughs> we don't care. Uh, it's just life. So anyway, good to have you back. What's been going on? What's happening? And then uh, let's, let's launch into well, whatever you want to talk about. All right. Um, I don't know what's going on or what's happening. As far as um, your line sounds clear, you can speak up a little bit, maybe. Or uh, we got to get you a microphone. We got to talk to your folks about getting you a a mic and a headset so you can be like real radio. Mm -hmm. Can you hear me better now? Uh, A little bit, a little bit. But this is often the case with phones. There's a difference. I try and equalize. You know, my sound and, and uh, your sound. So I'll turn you up a little bit here on my board, and we'll go from there. So what's uh, – what, um, did you have a topic for me, or did uh, things change, or, or stuff you're working on, or are you in flux, or, or what, what's yeah. – uh, Okay, what do you got? I actually found something, and I did, like, a quick Google search of what it was. Okay. Um, the other week, because um, I work at a library, and there was mm. a sign, and um, – the workers had taken it down because somebody ran them. They don't know who had put it up. And on it, it said, um, vote to close the library. And it had, like, a November date. And it said, this burning party, you know, like, a couple days like, after or something. And it was on wait, the wait, time, wait. Like, the Book burning party? Did they actually said book burning party on the yeah. sign? <laughs> yeah. Was there a Nazi swastika there, too? Or, was the, or did they leave out that little detail? No, <laughs> but that, that was kind of my initial response because when I found it, it was in a storage closet just sitting mm-hmm. there and had like these November days and it just confused me and completely worried me. Like any average person, right? Who, who sees mm-hmm. that? It's got to be kind of worrisome. And um, I later learned from like the other staff members that they had taken it down because somebody random had put it up in New York. And um, I did some, like, quick research about it, and it's actually um, kind of like a, 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 
not a joke, but it kind of was used to, like, change people's minds in the city of Troy, Michigan. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a Troy library. that This is where it originated from. And I found that they didn't have, like, enough funding. I don't know why, but they didn't have enough funding to keep their library going and open and stuff. And um, when I looked at what they used, like, the later funding for, I found a lot of things in, like, renovation and, and staffing and stuff but okay i think i know what they're getting at yeah this is um and you're sounding a little better too so so when you're speaking up or you're getting closer to your phone or something it's it's working out better so that's good um it sounds to me like so now you work at a public library or is this a like a high school library yeah where you work so you work at a public library and they Uh, had sign now are they is your library closing too or no no, 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 no. This is a, a random citizen. We don't even know who has done it or why because we don't have okay. any funding problems this year. Okay. But um, the Shore Library in Michigan, they were having funding problems, and they were trying to put in, like, on the voter, um, what is it called? Oh, the ballot or something, or like a ballot initiative? Like yeah, it might be that. It's like the things that the citizens vote on this week, they want them to batch or whatever. One of the things was to increase the taxes to um, help fund and pay for the library to stay mm-hmm. open and right. do whatever they needed to do. And everybody was kind of like in an uproar, like, no, we're not going to do this. We're not going to pay a 0.7% increase in taxes for this library. And everybody was kind of against it. Um, and so to counter that, the members of the library that were there, they started this as kind of like a... Um, that change people's minds, you know, because of course everybody's going to be against closing the library and burning books, right? And it well, I think I know why they're doing the it. Yeah, so no, so what they're yeah. doing, this is, a, I, I've got an idea. Do you know why they're doing it? I'm going to let you uh, give me your hypothesis first as to why they did that. I think I know. Um, what do you think? Yeah, well, I kind of found it when I was um, researching it. It was because people didn't want to like burn books or anything they would instead vote yes instead of no you know they would vote to keep the library open and pay the taxes in order to keep it open to stop them from closing it and burning the books but burning the books is is, is, yeah i think burning the books is more metaphorical they weren't actually physically going to do that but uh, but why but give me I'll, i'll tell you my take in just a bit um what else did you find researching it i'm just curious did you look up actual book burnings? What? Did you look up actual book burnings when? No, uh, I did not. You know? I did not look up actual book burnings. Okay, because you can look actually on YouTube. I mean, there there are films. There was a special when I was a kid called The World at War. It was narrated by uh, Sir Laurence Olivier. You know, and this is the British put this out. It was a, like a twelve part series. Uh, it was an incredible series, and they used actual footage. And of course, this is back in the seventies. I think they made that. So a lot of people are still alive from the war because it had only been 30 years previously. And so one, but they had actual Nazi films and they had films of book burnings, but everybody's burned books. Cubans, I'm sure have done it. Chinese have done it. Uh, anybody that wants to get rid of information burns books. It's a, it's a thing. Now with the, now we're in the internet age. So why would people talk about burning books in the internet age? So this is, this is where I get it. That I'm curious, but again, let me, what else did you find? I'm kind of curious. Like I say, how I want to uh, go ahead. How did you talk about this? I do remember seeing videos of, um, like book burnings and stuff, especially mm-hmm. whenever you're learning about World War II and um, anti-Semitism and stuff. I 
learned a lot about like the book learning and all that. But I guess mm-hmm. I just didn't register in my mind anymore. <laughs> Did you ever um, read Fahrenheit 451 or, or see the movie? I, I'm, I'm, I'm such a terrible reader because of my ADHD. I, I tend to watch more movies. But uh, do you know about the story, Kurt Vonnegut, Fahrenheit 451? I, yes, I read the book, but I cannot remember the ending, like the absolute ending. I cannot remember it. I don't remember but, it either. Yes, but, it, uh, but do you know, do you know the significance of, of 451? What? Do you know what the significance of, of Fahrenheit 451? Do you know what that why that uh, that temperature was picked? Um, I know a lot of people say it's like the temperature to burn paper or something. Exactly. But yep. then a lot of people say that it's actually a different temperature. Yeah. But, it could be, <laughs> but that's what I understood it to be. But here's the point, though. Um, I'm thinking. Yeah. The way I'm looking at this, the reason they're talking about book burning is not that the Nazis, not that they want to suppress information, not that they want to do it. They're saying if you people aren't going to be bothered to, to come to the library, if you people aren't going to uh, pay a little bit extra in taxes to keep the library open, you may want to keep it open, but we need to work. If you're not even going to do that, we might as well burn the books because nobody's reading them. That's where I think they're going with this. What do you think? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So now what? <laughs> so, I mean, it so, uh, did it work? Uh, did you get did the library get funding? Yeah, I think they okay. ended up with Carol wrote it down fifty eight percent of the vote. Oh, okay, so this was a ballot. Okay, that's great. So so now and I'm talking about point seven percent increase in taxes on was it property tax, sales tax? How are they going to fund this? I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> okay, fine. So you know you ask. This is, this is this is the first thing you learn about action radio. I'll, I'll always ask the question you haven't looked up. I mean that's just a rule. That's pretty much given around here. So this is interesting. Now here's the question. Yeah, yeah, it does. Don't worry. It's not just you. It happens to everybody. Even <laughs> even seasoned veterans of radio, they come onto my show and they don't realize. Yeah, and this is why I do longer interviews. You know, most of my interviews are an hour, because the folks that, especially the the major uh, public figures, the people that are doing like the circuit. They'll go around all these different talk shows and things like that. And I have had uh, PR people say, yeah, let's have this guest on. I'm like, okay, great. You know, the, the, what do you want, 15 minutes? No, I want an hour. An hour? Okay. <laughs> you know, so, I get, so the guest gets an hour. And, but they're used to doing 15 minutes. So they have a canned speech, and they give me their canned speech in the first 15 minutes. And then the fun begins because <laughs> then they have something that they've never heard before. <laughs> then they have to start thinking. And to me, that's the fun of this is, is this is why I do longer interviews. You know, because it, it just makes it much more interesting. So let's get back to um, book burning, because this is a fascinating thing. Why did they burn the books? Do you know? The governments that did burn books. Um, like, who put your feelings? Are you talking about? Say that again? Like, are you just saying in general, like, why would people uh-huh. burn books? Why, why would a government? Because it's always government. Why would a government burn books? Usually when a government burns books, it's one of two coinciding reasons to censorship any books that would go against what they are wanting people to know, or mm-hmm. to completely demolish education as a whole for them to have power. Both, both ways of time for them to have power. But when you see the book burnings in the videos, they have piles. They're not really being um, discriminatory. They're not pulling off certain books. They're burning all the books. <laughs> you know, they're getting rid of... Uh, just piles and piles of books. 
So how would that benefit a government? Well, when you have an uneducated society, I mean, it's easier to control the stupid. I mean, knowledge mm-hmm. is power is a, a very common um, saying and reference that everybody knows because it, it's true, and it, it works to help keep you safe. And whenever yeah. you have an entire population that's stupid and, and doesn't know how to defend itself, wants to rely on people, and, you know, when everything is kind of manipulated in their mindset and their morals and their knowledge, it's easy to control them because it kind of devalues them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so nowadays, uh, if, but the, the usual way that people got information, you know, before the Internet, the, you got information from books, magazines, uh, eventually, uh, radio came in, and then TV came in. And but um, radio and TV is easier to control. You had the uh, the FCC. You had the Fairness Doctrine. If you presented a conservative point of view, you had to present a liberal point of view, and nobody listened because it was boring. People that want, you know wanted either one of the positions, you know, it's like it was so mushy you couldn't say anything. TV news used to be three stations: ABC, NBC, and CBS, and all the hosts were liberal: Walter Cronkite, Tom Brokaw, and, uh, or John Chancellor, and uh, you know some of the other folks. They were all basically liberals. So you really only got one point of view. So they could control TV. They can control uh, radio. Uh, the, the newspapers, they were pretty much the Wild West for, for a long time. You had liberal papers. You had conservative papers. So that was pretty open. But again, as they, as they um, bought each other out and you had, instead of having five papers in a, in a major city, you had one. So now you've got one point of view. So it's a gradual concentrating of the information. Whereas books, you've still got a bunch of publishers. And, and books can say, you know, people can say anything they want in a book if someone's willing to publish it. And now, of course, you have self-publishing. People are publishing on computers. That's a little different. But, you know, back in the days when, when books were it, that was the storehouse of knowledge. That was the computer. And there's a Star Trek episode, you know, about that, that books, you know, computers can be changed, hacked, all that kind of stuff. So they warned us back in Star Trek in the 60s that this might happen. Uh, the Internet, the thing that we didn't know about the Internet when it first came out, we thought, wow, this is great. Unlimited information. We can get all the information we want. We don't have to go to the library anymore. We don't have to read books. It's all there on the Internet. Isn't that easy? What we didn't know was that the information that can go on the Internet can just as easily come off. So where's your permanent record mm-hmm. now? So now it's back to books, right? Because if you own the book, unless they – go ahead. Go ahead. I actually did a, an essay over the dangers of over-reliance on technology. And when mm. I win it, of course, with every kind of argument, you try and find a solution, right? Right. Well, I could not find a solution at all. Do you have any ideas of how to turn it around without completely destroying society? Because I could not, I could not figure out how. So I give me your premise. Tell me, um, tell me what kind of technology you covered and what, what's uh, – what was your evidence? And what was your, what's your original thesis and your evidence and then, and then your conclusion? This sounds interesting. Um, so I don't remember exactly. I don't really have it up. But, okay, that's fine. Um, <laughs> I used this um, Department of the Defense kind of resource that actually gave so many pages on this. But <laughs> yeah. my main point was, we have everything from phones to computers to our, our banking system to international trade. Nearly everything in our life is has some sort of technology, has some sort of battery run, or has to be connected to something, has to have some kind of um, electronic man-made power to it mm-hmm. in order to work. Mm-hmm. And, of course, anything man-made fails. And everything has 
failed at least once in the past. So you know it's always it always is possible to fail in the future. And right now, unless you're like completely living out in the wild all by yourself, everybody uses some form of technology every single day. Mm-hmm. And if we try and turn off technology as a whole, if we try and reframe all of records and stuff that we have stored in computers and we try and get it all on paper and put it into systems, then there's and there's a lot of different people, there's a lot of different money trails, there's a lot of different things that go into play whenever you have technology versus putting things in print. And if you take technology away, it breaks trade relations in a lot of different ways. It breaks down the banking system. And those are like two of the most, I, I don't, I do not want to say most important, but um, I guess widely effective might be a good term to use. Um, yeah. And I really need to find my essay again. No, that's okay. No, no, and don't worry about it. Feel free to bring up stuff, even if you don't remember all the details. I mean, I do that all the time. I'll try and recall things, and then I'll look them up later. What I think is interesting is that I'm thinking of the different ways that information is stored. Uh, I have information on my computer. Uh, Remember that CDC chart that COVID basically ended in July of 2020 that I I keep sending out? That's on my hard drive. So that's going to be there unless my computer completely crashes or the FBI visits me, which may happen one day. Either one of those is possible. And if the FBI does come, does come to, give me some warning so I can like make coffee. We can sit around, we can chat, we can talk about this. Okay, guys, you know, especially if you're listening in now. If not, that's okay too. Um, I'm just joking, <laughs> but you never know. But the thing is too that there are storage things, there are like cloud things, there are um, different services that'll take your information and put it directly on a on a, uh, on a secure hard drive. So there are many ways to back up. There's the whole idea of backing things up, and so especially banking records. You know, it's interesting. We've got uh, the war in Ukraine, but I, I guarantee you that the financial tra- transactions between Russia, Western Europe, and the United States are still going on. The banks are still trading. You know, the stock market, the markets are still trading. The banks are still taking, you know, uh, wire transfers. I mean, the money is still moving as the money always moves, especially the Ukraine, which I believe is, is the Democrat, you know, money laundering bank anyway, um, with all the money that goes in there. And, and we don't know where it goes. I got an article on that later, too. But the thing is that there, there are ways to back this up. So your conclusion was that there's no way to absolutely back it up. Was that, was that uh, where you were going with it? Unless yeah. you write stuff down? Was, okay. I mean, um, not like absolute. I mean, because everything is possibility. Right. Um, but my whole thing was like the over-reliance on technology. Have you heard of AI? I mean, every heard of AI, but... Um, there has been reports of the AI killing the people who made the AI. <laughs> that sounds like uh, like one of the Terminator movies, you know, Skynet. <laughs> you know, you know where where the the, the people made computers uh, so intelligent, they made them actually make their own computers, and then they did, and then they made their own machines, and the machines decided that people were superfluous, and they killed the people. So that's that's always an interesting thought. I had a a, a thought. I was talking about this back. This is back when I was in college. And so we're talking the 80s. And, um, and I went to my biology professor, and they were talking, this is just the beginnings of computing and, and all this kind of AI. And, and it was like computerized manufacturing was the big deal. And I said to the professor, because we were talking evolution and other things, I said, well, wait a minute. I said, if computers are making machines and there's like a mutation 
you know, on the assembly line, just like a mutation when your genes divide. This is, and, and usually, you know, the whole theory of evolution is that mutations, you know, create a more a superior, you know, being, and that's how you evolve into something else. Where, where it's just the opposite is true. Mutations are usually detrimental to the organiz, organism, and they usually end up dying, you know, earlier. Um, so it's kind of interesting. But the thought was that if you have a computerized artificial intelligent mutation on the assembly line, does that get passed on? And could that be called, you know, machine evolution? And we're kind of playing with that theory for a while. What do you think? Yeah. Um, it's definitely interesting. I haven't actually thought about this. Um, okay. I do know, like, in general, the evolution is, um, like, the Darwin evolution theory of, like, the humankind and stuff. Uh-huh. Um, it, I have a real problem with how it's like being taught in schools and everything because everybody calls it like the evolution theory, but in schools they kind of teach it as fact. And whenever you listen to scientists or you read something like this, a lot of times they base research off of this evolutionist theory as if it's uh-huh. a fact or as if something like that. But the, the point of it is, it is still a theory. And I do think animals can evolve with mutations, and they have. But I don't well, have they evolved or have they but, adapted? See, this is this is the weird part. You know, all the the the, the finches on the Galapagos Island that Darwin used. You know, they all had different beak sizes. Well, they're all the same finch genetically, yeah. but they had different beak sizes because they had different food supplies. So, did they adapt or did they uh, did they evolve? That's I think the adapt question. is the better word. I think I think yeah. that's what they're getting across. But yeah. Think, um, of course, there's changes and there's mutations to better adapt to the mm-hmm. environment or how they live and stuff. Mm. And um, personally, I don't believe in the evolution theory. But um, everybody can hold their own beliefs. But my thing on it is I have a problem with people trying to teach it as a fact. And it's not. It mm-hmm. is just another theory. Yeah. Well, they do that with climate change too, right? Have you noticed climate change is the same oh, thing? Yeah. And it's interesting that you have to be a believer. It's, see, to me, it's like a religious cult. Evolution is a religious cult. Uh, climate change is a religious cult. Definitely. You know, because if you don't believe, you're not because one of us. If you're not one of us, then we can kill you. You know, I mean, it, it, that's the extreme view. Go ahead. They put like a, a base on it where if something happens, it, they always refer back to it. And they kind of use it as like fact, right? Mm-hmm. So let's bring it back to book burning. And let's, let's do internet book burning, which is the, 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 the scrubbing of information from the internet. Uh, if... Um, if they take off all the information that hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin treat and cure COVID, then nobody can find that information. And then they can say, well, you can, have, you can go on their remdesivir ventilator death march, as I call it. And people, well, the only cure is remdesivir and ventilators. And, and of course, most of those people die, which is really sad. It's tragic. But the Internet, the good information was scrubbed. So that's the equivalent of book burning. Well, who did that? Our public health people, Dr. Fascist, you know, all the, all the, and all the people <laughs> below him. They, they metaphorically burned books, all right? So what's the difference? What's the difference between scrubbing the Internet and burning books? It's the same thing. It's actually worse because when you burn a book, you, you know, unless you get all the copies, that book is still out there. So burning books yeah. is it, – but it's also a symbolic thing. It's, it's people saying collectively, we just don't want to know. Tell us everything we need to know, oh, dear government. We don't need books. We this don't need knowledge. Reminds, this actually reminds me of um, something that I read the other day. Uh-huh. And have you heard of the Berkeley College? It's like an Ivy League. 
I, I used to live near Berkeley College. I, was, uh, I spent 30 years in the San Francisco oh. Bay Area. I used to go to Berkeley uh, and visit just to, just to see the wackos. Oh, yeah. It's actually a beautiful campus. They've got a huge amphitheater. You know, the Grateful Dead have played there. Like, totally awesome. Like, on the West Coast, you know, when you go surfing and have pizza, and it's like, it's a really great place to be. Yeah. Anyway, that's my California. So I know Berkeley very well. Oh, okay. What, what are they? Oh, oh, do tell, Brianna. What are they doing now? <laughs> so there's been like nine different clubs that have banned Zionist views, or you can technically just say Jews. Yeah, you can and say I Jews. That's, that's, remember, the, that's code word. That's code for Jews. They yeah. say Zionist views, mm-hmm. but it's, it's Jews. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if exactly from, I do not know exactly if it's from specifically where those clubs are or if it's certain areas on campus, the campus as a whole. I'm not sure on that specific, um, but there's like nine clubs. I mean, one club is like, oh, that's, they probably couldn't do that, right? That, Which club? Well, I don't know. It's, it's California. Um. <laughs> Well, there's a reason I left California. It it just became insane. It was a crazy place. They're paying $6.41 a gallon for gasoline because they have some special California formula, those morons. But, you know, you can't help stupid. But a lot of people are forced into it. They've been there for so long, and they have family and and businesses and things. I feel sorry for those folks because you've got, you know, a slightly larger population of liberal morons ruining it for everybody else. Anyway, so so back to Berkeley, Um, because I heard they had – they now have public areas where white people can't go. They actually uh, have the racial segregation Definitely. on, on oh, some of these campuses. A lot of policies. Have you heard about that? Yeah. And, and you know, it kind of um, makes me remember, you know, this thing called a Holocaust and, you know, how it started. You know, I, just, mm-hmm. I don't know why. Let me see if I can find these clubs. Well, I'll tell you why it started. Because um, Hitler needed an enemy. You know, just like, yeah. uh, just you know, if you listen to speeches of, of Hitler's, you know, with the translation of the whole bit, and you listen to, and this is why uh, uh, I, I did that thing several weeks ago. I don't know if you ever did this. Remember when I, I said if you, if you play the Russian national anthem in the background to Brandon's speech with the red background and the Marines and the, in the, in the dark silhouette and, and the American flag, and I forgot what the other flag was there, uh, but you listen to that speech with the Russian national anthem in the background, it sounds just like a Stalin speech. It sounds like a Hitler speech. You know, we have to condemn the MAGA, the MAGA Republicans, like making America great is all of a sudden a bad thing. So think of the twisted logic of this. You know, the left actually argues that a great America is a bad thing. So, you know, they're full of, you know, what? I mean, how can, you know, we're, we're, and nobody challenges on it. You know, at least they're their fellow journalists from the left, too. But this is, this, is a, this is brainwashing. So, in other words, if you burn the books, there's no alternative source of information. The only opinion you have is the opinion that the government wants because they're the ones controlling the books or controlling the Internet. That's why they do it. So there is no information. There is no other opinion but our opinion because no other opinion is available. They dumb down the language. They, they make people stupid in government schools. That's why we shouldn't have government schools. And eventually, this, it's all about the control of information, which is all about controlling people. So the very people that are in government that are obsessed with controlling people are the very people who shouldn't be there. I mean, you're better off firing everybody in government and going through the phone book and just randomly drafting people saying, okay, you can work in government for a year. Oh, we'll pay you well, but you, you know, you, this is your job. Okay, fine. But they would actually fix things. We'd be better off with a random government of people drafted into government service than we would um, 
Well, there's an interesting topic. I don't think I've, I've ever talked about that before. Do you think people should be drafted into government service so we get better people in government? What do you think? Um, probably not because there's still the concept of, you know, human nature and there's still the problem of not understanding the laws fully. So I think there mm-hmm. is a ton of citizens that could probably do a better job, but I don't think randomly drafting, I mean, you could probably get some really good people by that, but I, I think it's just a kind of like a, a worry problem like that. Um, maybe if well, besides like involuntary a, servitude and things. Yeah, go ahead. Wait, what did you say? Well, I mean, you've still got the involuntary servitude problem. You've got things like that. But if you can draft for the military, if we have selective service, which is still on the books, why can't we have a draft for government service? I mean, why, why, wouldn't, why wouldn't that be a thing? I think we get better people. There was someone who said, I think it was William F. Buckley Jr. William F. Buckley Jr., who spoke in very aristocratic accent. He was a New York and very conservative guy. And he used to speak like this. Anyway, so William F. Buckley Jr. said, if you take the first you know, thousand names in the phone book, put them in government, you'll have a better government than uh, all the people that are there now. This is kind of what gave me the idea. So I'm thinking, what if we actually drafted people for government service? It's an interesting thought. I might do a show on it now that I think about it. It would definitely be interesting. Yeah, you could do a paper on that <laughs> and report back. <laughs> Here's what I think. Do some research. Has anybody ever drafted – has a country ever drafted uh, people for government service? I don't know. Replace the bureaucrats with real people who don't want to be there, who might actually go, well, this is a stupid regulation. I'm not going to enforce this. Wouldn't that be great? I know. It's just an idea. Uh, I got you so thinking. I found – uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> What'd you find? <laughs> I found the or I found one thing about it. Okay. It's All right. And it says they amended their bylaws to never invite a speaker who supports Zionism or the state of Israel. Um they call it law students for justice in Palestine. I don't think they know what happened. Did they give a reason for their anti-Semitism? Did they hate Jews? I mean, what was their? Uh, let's frame this properly. They hate Jews. The they hate and Israel. The welfare of Palestinian students on campus. Oh, yeah, we had um, a guest. I'm trying to get back at uh, some point. Claire Lopez, and she is a Middle East expert. The woman is brilliant. And we, I asked her about uh, about the whole idea of Palestine and Palestinians. She says that's not a people. That's not a, that's not a country. It never existed. Palestine is was a British designation after World War One for land that eventually became Israel. It was always supposed to be Israel. It always was Israel back to biblical times. So this is, this is the land of Israel that the British arbitrarily called Palestine. And the Palestinians, quote, are, are basically refugees from Jordan, Egypt. They're, they're the people that none of the Arab countries wanted. So they ended up, you know, on the other side of Israel. And Israel mistakenly did, stupidly gave, quote, land for peace. And if I were the prime minister of Israel, I'd, I'd take back Gaza. I think they got the Golan Heights back. But the West Bank especially, and say, look, this is what was supposed to be Israel under the old boundaries. You know, land for peace. Well, we're taking land back, and, and we're going to have peace that way. You know, it's like Israel's always giving up land, but not, Israel's not very big. There's not a lot of land to give up. So I think if they take back Gaza, take the West Bank, and say, okay, this is now Israel the way it was supposed to be according to the original UN resolution. Um, I think Israel was supposed to. Be, I think most of Jordan was supposed to be uh, Israel too. We'd have to look that up. But the point being that Israel is always the one that gives up land for peace, and they never get. They lose their land, and they don't get peace. They, they lose Israel piece by piece. <laughs> you know, that's the problem. But, um, but the Palestinians, there is no Palestinians. It's not, it's not a real thing. It's a made-up thing. So when, 
uh, what's your name? Uh, the the woman that the the, the Palestinian Tashiba. What's her, no? What's your name? Raharas. I forgot her name, but I can't pronounce it. I'll, I'll think of it. One of one of the squad with AOC and the other folks. Rashida Tlaib. There we go. Okay, her talks about the Palestinian people. We have to have equity for the Palestinian people. We have to have a two state solution. Well, Palestine was never a state. It never existed. It's it's a it's a mythical concept. It's a creation of the British. So how do you have a two-state solution when when only one state exists? See, I favor the one-state solution, Israel. And the people that are calling themselves Palestinians need to go Jordan, (laughs) Egypt, any of the other Arab countries. A lot of places they can go. What do you think? Yeah, um, I haven't honestly read a whole lot into it. Okay. Well, that's that's part but, of being on the show is you yeah, get inspired to to look into things that you haven't looked into before. Yeah, I have definitely just learned something new. Mm-hmm. Uh, Listen, I learn something new every time you come on. So it's it's a, this is what we do. This is this is a classroom. Uh, I mean, Action Radio is a lot of things. Um, we break new ground. We talk about things no one's ever thought of. We present ideas like uh, like drafting people for government service. <laughs> You know, I mean, I never thought of that before. Uh, but this is this is this is the laboratory. This is the free expression. This is the brain shop. This is where we do things uh, like that. And the fact that you haven't studied or thought about it, um, that's that's fine. I mean, that, that's I'm, that's good. I mean, I want to be able to break new ground and do things that, that you've never thought of. That's the whole point. Anyway, Josie's on the line too. So before we get to her report, I want to see if she's had a chance to listen and uh, and talk about this. Josie, what do you know about uh, the Palestinian folks and the whole made-up concept uh, by the British and? Uh, the fact that there aren't really Palestinians, it's, it's, a, it's an imaginary thing. Have you heard that before? Do you remember when yeah, Claire was talking about that? Yeah, I remember Claire talking about it a while back, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know a lot about it, just biblical part, but mm-hmm. no. They're, uh, they hate uh, Jewish people, and uh, they think they own Israel. Actually, the area where Jesus was crucified, Calgata, um, they they own that part so when you go as a tourist uh the palestinians are in control of that area and if they don't want to let you go you don't, you cannot go in that area so it's just crazy but this whole Bethlehem, country Israel, belongs to yeah go ahead. i think Bethlehem's yeah, the whole, part arab yeah. too right the whole yeah, country right. belongs to israel not palestinian yeah. 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 So it's yeah. Makes sense. Well, we started this conversation, mm-hmm. and uh, we have a lot of time. We have actually the next two hours after after the top of the hour free, uh, just because of the way scheduling's been working out. We have more open time now. Um, but uh, but what do you think of this idea that we were talking about um, before that on the UC Berkeley campus? You know, they they have mm-hmm. anti-Zion groups. They have basically Jewish hate groups. Uh, and I was mentioning. I, I heard oh, something in the news last night too. Those. Go ahead. What did you find? Go ahead. I did find those groups. Okay. It, um, it's Women of Berkeley Law, Asian Pacific American Law Student Association, Middle Eastern and North African Law Students Association, Law Students of African Descent, and the Queer Caucus. So, so wait a minute. I, I keep hearing one word popping up that <laughs> it seems in common to all these groups. Brianna? Yeah. What are they, what, where are they um, all from? What are they all from? Where, all where from are they all Alaska, from? But... What's that again? Well, what I'll tell you what mean, I like, heard. Where are they all from? Well, what well, I heard, and Jesse, I don't know, it's like Jesse too, I heard law. She just she just decided to send oh, yes. Africans. Yes. Well, not all Africans. Yeah. You've got Asian it's Pacific. You had, but they're all law students. 
Yes. So, yeah. so Berkeley, which is a good law school, the Berkeley uh, University, I think it's uh, Bolt Hall, I think they call it. The University of California Berkeley Law School has for decades been a great law school. But if the law students are forming, you know, Jewish hate groups. Breaking the law. <laughs> <laughs> Where, where's Judas Priest? We need them. Breaking the law, breaking the law. You know, yeah. So you've got law students learning that it's okay to have Jewish hate groups. So what are they teaching at Berkeley? Yeah. Well, the other one, I just want to get uh, Josie's opinion, too, on this, and, and Brianna, we can kind of tie up this as well. I've heard that they have, you know, areas where white students can't go. There's, like, there's like no white areas. This is hysterical because, you know, I'd be there immediately with, like, you know, my, with a picnic bench and the camper and, you know, say, hey, I'm lawsuit. here. <laughs> well, with a lawsuit, too. Yeah, I'd bring, I'd bring a bunch. We'll bring Jonathan. Yeah, I would. <laughs> we'll bring Mosley. <laughs> bring Jonathan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I have another friend, uh, oh, lawyer, well. uh, Jay Sanchez. So we'll bring him. You know, uh, we'll get defended by Hispanic <laughs> lawyer. That'd be, that'd be kind of cool. But yeah, yeah. All right. Uh-huh. Uh, Josie, do you have any questions for Brianna? Then we'll, uh, um, we'll let her go. Uh, the, Not at the moment. Uh, okay. No. But good show. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I love having Brianna on. Brianna, get any <laughs> questions, any comments, any, any final thoughts? No. Okay. Good topics today. Not today. No, I, listen, I was impressed. It was fascinating with your, your theory, too. If you want to report more on the things that we talked about next week, um, especially the, the, the whole book burning thing, I'd be interested in your viewpoint in that as well. All right. Thank you for a great report, and we shall talk to you next week. Let's get to Josie. She started off as a poor child in Nicaragua, living under communism. Now she is a prosperous small businesswoman with a great family, living the dream as an American citizen. Josie Cossey knows all about both worlds, communism and freedom. She knows where your dreams can come alive and where they can die very quickly. And so her report is as much from experience as knowledge, and her passion and crusade are very real. With connections all over Central and South America, Josie brings you the world south of the U.S. border, from personal experience, living, not just reporting, what's happening. And now, the Latina Report with Josie Coffey. Yeah, I'm going to uh, shamelessly send Brianna a, uh, an ad for a Yeti Blue microphone so she can talk her folks into getting her mic, because um, her phone's yeah, a good morning. Buenos little bit weaker. Buenos Dobre dias. Guten tag. Yes, good morning. Yes. Konnichiwa. <laughs> G'day. How's it yeah. going? G'day. <laughs> we'll do a straight G'day. <laughs> you're funny. Yeah, you, you would have been good learning how to speak a lot of languages. You know, you're pretty good about learning. Why well, do the accents? <laughs> we could do Indian if yeah. you want. We could speak there, but I don't know if I can speak Hindi. It would be a very difficult thing for me to do. <laughs> but I could try it. It would be very wonderful fun. Okay, fine. I can say curry. It's a good thing, curry. Andale, andale, arriba, <laughs> chico. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you're doing Speedy Gonzalez. Now, that's funny. You know, anyway. That, that was the cutest little cartoon, you know. Uh, so what did you think of that growing uh, I, up? Did you see Speedy Gonzalez cartoons? This is a great topic, actually. We didn't have TV. We didn't have TV when we were kids, very poor. And uh, whenever my mother sent us to buy uh, not even a grocery store, like a little, uh, it was like a food spot area. A lot of people uh-huh. had little stores, you know. Right. So my mom... It it seems to me 
that all day long they were sending us to buy something or or go get it on a credit, you know. That was to get rid of you. And we exhaust. <laughs> no, no, but it was funny. Go get some beans. Go get some rice. Go get some butter because we didn't have refrigerators. So right. everything was bought every day. So it's, it's crazy. So on the way back, mm-hmm. uh, coming from buying whatever we were needed to buy for my mom, we would, like, stop if somebody had a TV and just kind of, like, stand like on the crack of their door or by the door so they won't see us mm-hmm. and many times these people came with a bucket of water and they just pour it all over our faces kind of oh. like chewing us away it was <sighs> sad people were people were cruel and we were not doing anything we were like so excited just to watch a little tv you know mm-hmm. but uh were kinda, there movies at sad. all or did they have movie theaters, or did you have radio programs? Any, any of those things go on? Uh, no? I think I only went. I think my father took us to the movies one time, one time in the 13 years I was in Nicaragua, and I think hmm. he took us because he was kind of drunk. But uh, yeah, he. Uh, we never went to the movies. Never. It was like a big deal for us to. Uh, Oh, eating us eating chicken every day or beef and stuff. It was not an everyday thing. Eating chicken was once a year for Christmas. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, most of, you... most of every day was rice and beans and tortilla if we had any. And the problem is that that uh, that changes, you know, your adult life. You know, how tall you're going to be, how you know, all, all, how everything develops. It's 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 crazy. I mean, it's just that kind of uh, that kind of poverty is is, is terrible for kids because yeah. that's when you need to grow. Um, ha- do you remember the? Fr- Go ahead. We had um, we had a lot of neighbors. They had a lot of trees, so we were always in their trees, stealing mm-hmm. their fruits to survive. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> hey, listen. Could you grow and fruit trees it- in your yard? Did you have your own fruit trees? Uh, I think we had one in the back, but right. everybody will steal each other's fruit. It was the thing back then. Yeah. And a lot of times the fruit, you know, the mangoes were so young that they were so green. They barely had a seed in the inside. They were so young. <laughs> and then your mouth is raw from eating it so young, you know, raw. Mm-hmm. And uh, And a lot of times we put salt in our hand uh, to eat leaves, to just chew on the leaves for the for the vitamins, I guess. And uh, so many, many times, uh, my sisters and myself, we had green teeth from chewing so much leaves from some of the trees, you know. <laughs> it was crazy. Oh, wow. Maybe that's why. That's scary. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe that's why we all got. Uh, beautiful teeth, actually. All my sisters <laughs> never had cavities. Yeah. That's, that's well, no, it was the salt. It wasn't the leaves. It was the salt. Actually, salt's pretty good for your teeth from what I've heard. You know, there are people yeah, that brush with salt. So. Salt and baking soda and things like that. Apparently, that, that actually works better We didn't have toothbrush. We didn't have toothbrush. We didn't have So leaves. what we did is we, we got a little rag, and we will brush our teeth with baking soda if we had it, or salt. Uh-huh. That was yeah. the way we treated our teeth. Well, apparently so that works. I think That's, about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think about it. If uh, if we would have thought that baking soda was going to be in toothpaste, we could have been millionaires, you know? Exactly. Because they put baking soda now. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they put so salt in baking soda. My first toothbrush when I came to America, they handed me a toothbrush. I was like, oh, my God. That was, like, crazy. 
for me to have my own toothbrush for the first time when I came to America at 13. And they took me to the dentist not long in the State Department to check me for parasites, and I have five, almost mm-hmm. killed me. But wow. when I went to the dentist, they only they only found two tiny little cavities. It was amazing, you know, 13 years of no toothbrush. So crazy. Well, it was the salt. It was the salt. And you probably didn't have a lot of <laughs> yeah. sugar because you didn't have a lot of processed sugar. You know, you were eating Twinkies we and Ho-Ho's and Ding-Dongs and, you know, and all, all the, the processed sugar we have now. So that, in that respect, it was, it was healthy for you. But do you remember the first time you saw Speedy Gonzalez in a cartoon or, or uh, you know? I, I, in I mean, America. You, yeah, well, yeah. But yeah. I'm just curious what your reaction was coming from Nicaragua. It, I thought that was the cutest thing <laughs> uh, when I saw that. Yeah. You weren't offended? Oh, 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 Betty Boop. No, because I'm not Mexican. I was thinking Latina culture. I was, I was generalizing. I shouldn't yeah. do that. Okay. No, but it's true. You're right. You know, I, I, I never seen Speedy Gonzalez, you know, until I came to America. It's yeah. like Cinco de Mayo. They celebrate that here and it's not really Cinco de Mayo. They celebrate their Independence Day on different days. September. Yeah, September like sixteenth or something. It's uh, yeah. Cinco de Mayo yeah. is uh, the Battle of Veracruz, and uh, the actual Mexican to get drunk. <laughs> <laughs> well, we celebrate it. Well, I mean, they don't celebrate St. Patrick's Day in Ireland the way they do here either. That's another excuse to get drunk. Mm-mm. So St. Patrick's Day is first, then Cinco de Mayo, and uh, what are the other drunk holidays? You know, Fourth <laughs> of July. Well, that's, they got that's too barbecue. Many holidays in America. Yeah, and we, we have everybody else's holidays. I'm surprised we don't celebrate Bastille Day and, and go out for French wine. I mean, you know, why not? <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's yeah. uh, I couldn't believe when I came here how many holidays they're celebrating. This I never had Thanksgiving in my life. I didn't know what that was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we never had pilgrims yeah. in Nicaragua, I, so it, it makes sense. Yeah. No. <laughs> but Christmas. I think it was one of the most, my first Christmas in America. Uh, I can never forget it. It was so beautiful. Uh, we went to this house, and I remember them playing the piano, singing, a lot of food. i never seen so much food in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I didn't know English, but I can remember those songs in my head, you know. It was, it was kind How of did cool you learn English? Christmas. How did you learn English? Uh, I went I went to school in Washington, D.C., uh-huh. so it was hard at the beginning, you know, but... Um, <laughs> was it a, an immersion program where you only spoke English in that class? The, it, was only, it was only English, yes. Uh, we took the e, ESOL class, you know, that all the Latinos right. or Spanish people, foreign people take the class, you know, mm-hmm. so, but it was fun, but I think... Uh, I think the most exciting class for me when I came to America was home economic. They were teaching me how to bake cookies. I never had cookies like that before in my life. That's why you didn't have cavities. They were teaching us how to cook, <laughs> how to sew. Yeah. So I was so excited. At 13, I was making my own dresses at 13 wow. years old, huh. well, almost 14. Yeah. So I was making little hats, little things for all my friends. and it was, I didn't want to let go of that sewing machine. It was good. I can do you, hem a pair of Do you still pants. do that? Uh, do you still make clothes? Oh, yeah. I do all the pants in my store. Uh, I hem pants in my store, and it only takes me like five minutes on the store huh. machine. Wow. And it, it takes me longer to measure it, so make sure you don't have a leg, one leg longer than the other. 
that that takes longer than putting in the machine sewing it, you know. Yeah. So yeah, I'm pretty good making anything. Huh. But uh, zipper is so the worst. I don't want You should come out your fashion line. Zipper. You should do your own fashion line. Uh, Josie's fashions. Oh come I on. I don't on. have time for. Okay, fine. So <laughs> what were you, I think I, what were you saying a minute ago? I think I, I stepped on you there. Zipper, zipper. Oh, zipper. I hate to put zipper. Yeah. Oh. Like people say, can you put a zipper? No, nah, I don't want to do that. Do, an do buttons. I like buttons. Like, They're one, two, yeah. three. Yeah. Real Levi's but you know, have buttons. They don't the have a cycles. zipper. <laughs> yeah, the buttons, yeah. All the all those type of jobs in America, it's very expensive because they're not teaching our children nothing. A lot of these college kids come into my store. They don't know how to hem a pair of pants. They go to Joanne's huh. Fabric, and they buy this two-way tape to glue it together. And, but a lot of times it comes off. Yeah. So the the our generation, uh, they don't know how to do nothing like that. That's why in Oregon they want to ban chicken, uh, chickens, cows, but they want to go to McDonald's and eat a, a hamburger, and they want to go ha- have a chicken sandwich, and they don't know where that comes from. <laughs> That's a big Literally. disconnect. Well, you know, it's really funny because Oregon um, – I think either when I was in high school or college, Oregon actually had a test. They had a program where you had to learn how to balance a checkbook, how to make a meal, how to fill out a job application, mm-hmm. how to write a resume. You know, they had just mm-hmm. a basic – they had like a basic – the Oregon basic skills test. And you couldn't graduate until you could do those basic things, all the things you're talking about. Now, look how far Oregon's gone now where they don't have anything like that. Yeah. In fact, their, their schools oh, are, are basically, you know, racist uh, government indoctrination training grounds. You know, they've, they've, they've so yeah. lost their way. But Oregon actually had a really good program, you know, back when Oregon was a decent yeah. state. California. California used to be a really decent state. When I got to California, Very you, had these really, yeah. you had these really boring governors, Duke Majin, uh, Pete Wilson. These were Republican administrators. You never heard about it because they, they did their job. You know, they built freeways. They built reservoirs. They, they kept the state running. Yeah. They were administrators, and they were good at it. Uh, but they didn't do anything controversial because they were administrators, and they were good at it. You know, they're really boring people. And I, I like boring governors. Boring governors get things done. Yeah. Then ever since Schwarzenegger and, of course, Gavin Newsom and all these folks, the political governors took over. And then yeah. they stopped yeah. doing the reservoirs, and they stopped making the power plants and they shut down the nuclear plants and they stopped building freeways yeah. and they stopped doing everything. And yet the population doubled. Bringing all you the illegals. And the illegals yeah. too. Well, here's a question for you. I've been wondering, we've, I've got an article from Breitbart, which I'll, I've got about two hours after, after this first hour to kind of go over a bunch of different news um, because guests are moving. Reports are moving. I've got actually have room for new reports now, which is interesting, but where the, if we have 5 million illegals that have come in this country since Brandon stole the white house, where did they go? Where I mean, you can't put five. You um, can't drop five million people. It's like dropping in a Cleveland, or it's like dropping a major five, city. Five million, five million is nothing. Uh, there's going to be more? a total of a hundred, a hundred million coming in. And Over uh, how long? They're everywhere. They're like a bunch of little ants everywhere. Uh, I see. I see them get off the bus right across from. Uh, uh, they're cheap over there by Burlington, and everybody started running with their little suitcase. And uh, mm-hmm. I saw, but I was with a customer. I saw uh, women with three men getting off the bus with their suitcase running behind the dirt cheap building. I don't know. They disappear after that. I don't know where in the heck they're going. People are picking them up, and I, I really don't know. But it is sad uh, what is happening to this country. But Biden wants to bring a hundred million of them 
that's their goal, which is Obama, of course, not Obama. But, uh, oh, Biden doesn't even know where he's standing for one. Well, I've got a end. couple of articles on that too. That uh, you know, it, it fascinates me that, every time I see a report on Brandon. I think, why are you reporting on Brandon? Brandon doesn't know what he's doing. Brandon he can't read the cue cards properly. So what they really should be reporting yeah. on is Obama. You know, in fact, I'm going to start calling it the Obama administration just because that's, that's who's exactly. behind it. You know, and exactly. and I'm wondering how much Hillary is involved too, and how much uh, Susan Rice and Michelle Obama she and is. whoever else. So 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 that's the yeah. government. So it's yeah. fascinating to me. Even the conservative reporters still call it pres- still call him President Biden, and they still say Biden administration when they know damn well it's not true. And it's so why not. are they doing this? You're right. You know what? So why aren't they know. reporting on? Why don't they say you know because former former President Obama told Biden today to do this? I mean that's not to be reporting these stories. Yeah. Exactly. I think I'm going to start doing that. You're absolutely right. President Obama told Joe Biden today, you know, to uh, put more money in Ukraine, the Democrat money laundering bank. (laughs) I might do that. I might start to do – in fact, let me get my – You should. I I can start doing news reports. I can start making – well, I've got the the software to do it. Mm -hmm. Listen listen to this. Mm -hmm. Let me give you my my broadcast uh, theme here. Let's get you my news theme. This is kind of funny. And now, the Action Radio News. Let's go to the wire and see what's on the wire services today. President Obama has directed Joe Biden in the White House to take the following actions. Donate outrageous amounts of money to uh, Ukraine, the Democrat money laundering bank. In other headlines, we have uh, the Saudis are reducing the oil production. And the, uh, the, the person sitting in the White House illegally is systematically getting rid of our strategic petroleum reserve. And those are the headlines for this day, October 4th. And this is the Action Radio News. <laughs> Action radio. <laughs> You're right. You know, I could actually do that. It wouldn't be it wouldn't be tough for me to uh, get my software tonight, play that theme, and write up a really sarcastic newscast. I might start doing it. it it's extra work. What the hell? To remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe yeah. I'll do it once a week or something, or as I think of it. You know, and I'll, I'll put all my sarcastic spin. I'll be just as as artificial as as the other news. You know, where they're lying to us. Yeah. Which is which is pretty crazy. Well, but um, this is. Go ahead. I don't have a hundred percent evidence, um, but I was uh, reading a report. Uh, the FEMA, FEMA is behind all this hurricane. Uh, FEMA, they've been doing this for many years. FEMA is not our friend. FEMA is our enemy. They hate us. Uh, FEMA was in many uh, airboats in the area of uh, Sanibel. Island, and they were stealing a lot of the gold and very expensive items and weapons out of the homes that were uh, flooded uh, with this hurricane. And uh, according to the thing that I was reading, uh, Ron DeSantis knew what's going on, and he had a team of SEAL uh, taking everything away from them. And this has been going on for a lot of years, Greg. They, I know you don't believe in the weather manipulation. They got evidence. Well, I didn't say I didn't believe. Uh, well, let me let me clarify. They're, they're, here's what I know well, about the weather. Well, how can it be? The chemtrails and all that stuff. It's been going on for, Dr. Uh, I think I sent you a video of them. 
uh-huh. he has evidence whistleblower he's a doctor in the military he and he came with a lot of he has different videos this doctor that I wish you invite him to the show one day who's this now but uh, this is huh which which doctor now we're we talking about I cannot think of his last name Diddle that is also the D Diggle okay. Diggle Dr. Mm-hmm. Diggle and uh, he was ex-military and whistleblower uh, about the chemtrails and about all these hurricanes and everything that they've been creating for years and years and years. Nothing new that he says. And uh, they wanted to destroy a part of Florida because of closer to the elections. And they wanted to hit the Ritzy area. And on purpose, FEMA comes and kills some of the, uh, some of the older folks. Uh, because a lot of the older folks are worth more money dead than alive, according to a, a lot of things that I've been reading. Mm-hmm. But uh, but supposedly, Randy Sante had his team ready, and they knew what these people were up to. And then they were fleeing in these airboats or floating boats, whatever you call those things. And they were trying to throw away their, their uh, shirts where it says FEMA, you know. Uh, so people can see that we're going to help, but they were trying to get rid of them so they can say, oh, they were just regular crooks stealing all the stuff. But uh, And then they fled. They started shooting at the uh, seals, and, and the seals started shooting back, but they fled. Uh, so I, I'm trying to get more information on that. But uh, it's uh, it's very heavy, this stuff, let me tell you. And uh, they, they did that to Katrina, and, it, and supposedly – Comey has been involved for years uh, before 2021 on a lot of these storms and hurricanes and all that. And what they've been doing is they've been picking up a lot of homeless. You know, I heard that from a nurse uh, when two years ago about the COVID, they picked mm-hmm. up a lot of homeless and they did the test. Uh, and then before you know it, they were in the ventilators. And put in cremated them because there's no family to 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 come forward for their loved ones, you know, because they don't know who they are, they don't know where they at or nothing. Right. Mm-hmm. And this killing has been going on for a long time. And in the same report we were reading, I'll send you the thing. You, I make copies uh, because I want to print them out because you just have to read and read and read and read and read. It's a lot of reading. Uh, but it seems like uh, Com is then involved. Uh, practicing and making a bunch of guillotines inside the huge FEMA ship that they look like a huge uh, hotel. Mm-hmm. And the in the big FEMA ship, they usually are parked in Venezuela, and you know what that means, communist. And then when a, when a storm that they prepare or they organize with NASA and our government in China, uh, so what happens is then FEMA comes, but. Comey and other people involved, head honchos, uh, they've been preparing guillotines inside the ship, and they've been killing like 50 uh, homeless at a time practicing because they wanted to do that to the conservative uh, people later. Uh, so it gets it gets worse, but I don't want to go into it right now. No, and I'm, 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 I'm going to be I'm going to play skeptical. So let's talk about FEMA. FEMA is the Federal Emergency Management uh, Agency. What they're supposed to do is help. What they're supposed to do, yeah, I don't know what they do. What they're supposed to do is is but help with disaster, disaster relief. Okay. Now my thing is, you don't need FEMA. 
First of all, FEMA is unconstitutional because the Constitution does not delegate disaster relief or charity yeah. or any such thing to the federal government. So if the government really wants to help, the best thing to do is to, is to give the states money and block grants and say, okay, we're getting, or not take the money in the first place. That would be the best thing to do yeah. because the state of Florida can easily handle a hurricane. A hurricane is a, is a statewide event. It is not – and it might be a multi-state event, but each state is, is, is capable of handling it. So the state with the greatest damage from uh, Ian was Florida by far. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the, those people in the path of the storm were absolutely devastated. But you know, what it takes is, is money and help. Well, who's better to help, Washington or Tallahassee? And the answer is Tallahassee for Florida. Mm-hmm. It's closer. Of the course. governor has a much more vested interest in helping us. And Governor DeSantis does not need help from the federal government to fix this. Here's the other thing that's missing, but too, private know- charities. Where's, where's yeah. the Red Cross? Where's all the other folks? So between private charities and the folks that normally they used mm-hmm. to help out all the time and between the state yeah. uh, emergency – and every county has their own emergency department. We have one here in Santa Rosa County Yeah. Okay, just for hurricanes, natural disasters, things like that, uh, wildfires, that kind of stuff. So the counties have their own emergency departments. The cities have their own emergency departments, and the state of Florida has its own emergency Absolutely. department. We don't need a FEMA. All they're going to mm-hmm. do is, is, is right. pour money and cause problems. Now, FEMA in the past, here's That's what we cool. know. We know, they, we know they confiscated guns uh, during Katrina. But that also was with the permission, I think, of the Louisiana mayor and possibly governor, too. So the problem is that these people had permission. Now, now, now Ron DeSantis didn't give that permission because he wouldn't. You know, yeah. This is a Second Amendment state. In fact, they talked about, you know, don't loot. Don't loot in Florida. It's like, you know, you loot, we shoot. <laughs> that was the slogan coming out yeah. for a while. And I talked about um, that too. I said, you know, looters are, you know, are, you know yeah. you can sh- because looters are, the, are some of the lowest form of life out there. You know, taking advantage of people who've been devastated by a hurricane, and now you're going to make them protect their property with guns? No. Mm-hmm. Shoot the looters. Okay, as long as you're sure they're looters. But the, you know, but not the your neighbor looking for food. Watching, <laughs> yeah. yeah uh-huh. But the report that I was watching, they were exposing FEMA like you would not believe. Well, the other thought was that FEMA was going to have these, these re-education concentration gulag camps. Yeah. I don't believe that. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen evidence of that. Oh, yeah. uh, and I don't think they, um, you know, I think they'd be really hard-pressed to do that. That would be interesting because it'd be too easy to find them, be too easy to photograph them, be too easy to send drones over them and get all the pictures. So, so I'm, I'm waiting for the evidence. See, see the thing is that it's interesting now. The, the, the technology is so good that a lot of the things that people, I think, used to believe that were possible before we had all this access, they can't do that anymore. So if you're going to say there are FEMA camps, mm-hmm. there are re-education camps. Now, I don't think the government needs re-education camps. They have government schools. They don't need to do that. They don't need to burn books, as we were talking about with Brianna earlier, because they can scrub the Internet. Yeah. So they can control yeah. the information. So they, so they don't need to have the re-education camp. They just send people to school. Well, that is the re-education mm-hmm. camp. But people don't see it that way. They see, it, oh, I, we have to have public schools. I believe, uh, yeah. Yeah. I believe we need to shut down all the public schools. It is well, absolutely not good. I agree with you, yeah. yeah. But you remember when I was calling Not for good. that, it, people didn't support – I think you, you, you're one of the few, if I remember, that when I said – when the schools all closed during COVID in 2020, I said all the government schools are closed. Leave them closed. Close down those buildings. Leave them closed. Get rid of them. Demolish but, them. Uh, build, build private schools. Li- yeah. They a didn't little do bit it. at a time, the parents are waking up, but not soon enough. Um, because I sent you a video of this girl, this black young girl. She's mm-hmm. 27 now. Mm-hmm. She came on the Stu Peter show. Uh, this girl was raped by Obama, Biden, Michelle Obama, which she claims that she's a man because she was raped by he, M, he, he, she. Um, 
and this has been going on, and this young girl, she's been from 19 or something like that. Foster and home, how did she come to be in the presence of sold. all these people? She's being sold, yeah, and this has been going on for a long time, a long time, and our schools are in it. Uh, a lot okay, of again, teachers, was there a police yeah. report? Did you see yeah. a police report? She said, okay. No, she says she has all the evidence, police reports. She says, who do you go to? And it's true. Who do you go to when when she's being sold to Biden or to Obama or to this big head hunter leader? Who do you go to? The police is involved. The judges are involved. Look at what they're doing to Trump. The judges are involved. The police are involved. This is involved. Uh-huh. I mean... Is, yeah, I mean, if sad. it's true, that's one thing. But you have to excuse my skepticism because I remember that uh, the many uh, accusations by women that uh, that Trump, you know, raped them and sexually assaulted them and abused them and things like that, and they all disappeared after the election. Well, those were being paid for by the Well, yeah, they were. So I'm really skeptical of these things. And here's the other problem, too. I have my own show to do. <laughs> I don't have time to watch everybody else's show. I really don't. Uh, and so it, it's, that's, that's one of the hardest things for me to do. But you need to find out what's going on. I do know what's going on. But you see, here's the thing, though. I'm not, I'm not trying to report what other people are reporting. If yeah, they're reporting okay, it, great. Let them new. report it. This but nobody, news, but I'm, not a news, I'm not a news show. We're not, we, don't, yeah. we talk about the issues here, but I'm not here to talk about the news. I'm not here to report what other people have already reported. I'm here to make news. We're here to, we have, we have legislation. Exactly. You know, so so that's the focus make. of this show. So, so when people send make, videos. We need to make changes. We need okay. to make changes in the school system. And people the, like her, she mm-hmm. said the school traffic her. Uh, the foster home tra- tra- uh, uh, sold her many times. And this is what's well, been going that. on in America. Our yeah. children are being sold by, by the, by the uh, child, child protect service. There's nothing about protection. They've been selling our kids over and over and over. This girl was sold so many times. So we need to come up with a plan to continue doing this. Well, that, and the that's foster what care doing. system too. You know, I mean, foster care should be actually parents the that want to take system. care of kids, not just get a check. You know, foster care should be voluntary. And the last, it should be like a tax credit, last, <laughs> not a check. You know. In the last 30 years, Greg, mm-hmm. the foster system, it is out of control. Mm-hmm. Because the judges are getting millions of dollars, the lawyers, the social workers. Did you hear, did you hear our I show think... yesterday with uh, Juliet Ramos? I mean, uh, her story, her horror story, no. of all these women that are losing their kids, you know, and men too. I haven't heard yes. that particular story, but there's people that are losing yes. their kids that are being purposely taken. To take, here's the way it works. Take from the good parent, give to the abusive parent or the felon parent or the sexually assaulting parent, uh, and they do that to keep conflict going. So they traumatize the good parent, uh, traumatize the kids, and, and reward the bad parent, and sometimes the bad parent actually ends up killing their own kids. Uh, and this is, this is, they do that for the sole purpose of making money because there's some title in, in the Social Security uh, Act that uh, gives these folks money, uh, the courts, to, to administer this kind of stuff. And, and Michael Volpe knows. He, we've, had, we've talked about this before. But family court is horrible. You know, we, would have, uh, mm-hmm. we came up with a – you need to abolish family court. But let's get back to some of these other things here. It is here. time um, to stop it. Yeah, well, yeah. let's talk about. I, I want to get into this FEMA thing again because a lot of people say a lot of things about FEMA. Now, the cure for FEMA is to get rid of them. There's no reason for FEMA to exist. And They're did you terrorists. notice that the? Did you notice? How, well, exactly. But did you notice how the left was saying, "Look, big government. You know, the federal government took care of Florida." You know, they're saying on the one hand that global warming, that climate change caused the hurricane. On the other hand, they're saying that the federal government is the cure. 
you know, this is the solution where we, we, you know, we came in and we helped and all those people that in fact, they're saying, well, Florida shouldn't really get aid because they don't like government, you know, this kind of nonsense. And, and, and also there was another on the news, this is regular uh-huh. news, not just video from anybody in Rumble. This is on uh-huh. the news that I was watching uh, that the Democrats are saying, uh, we're going to give money to this family, but not this family because they're conservative. I mean, come on. Oh, yeah, break. well, Black, uh, white, it doesn't you know, matter who Ill- you are, you're going to help them all. Yep, the illegal uh, person occupying the vice presidency, uh, Kamala Harris, who we're not even sure is a citizen because her parents were not legally in the country when she was born, um, says that she should be. She, she's, she's an anchor baby. Well, she's not, she's in, as far as I'm concerned, she's illegal. You know, but anyway, the, huh. the point is that, uh, oh, here's something. I found an article for you here on uh, uh, FEMA prison ships arrive in Hawaii. Uh, this is from. Uh, Dark times are upon us. Coercion code. You know, CIA, death, deception, Donald Trump, end times, new world order, NWO, politics, USA, volcanoes. <laughs> That's, those, are, those are the, uh, uh, the tags. Anyway, so they, they have all this stuff, and the, but there's no picture. There's no picture of, uh, of the, the barges they're talking about. So I'm a little skeptical. You know, they, they have videos unavailable. They, they, I guess they maybe stripped the site. The point being that uh, there's a lot, I think there's a lot of misinformation. So should FEMA exist? No. The state should should be able to do this themselves. And you know, are, are they doing things that aren't like, good? Yeah, are they doing prison ships? I doubt it. Bad. Oh, just wait until you read this. Well, oh how many? Well, well, wait a minute. How many conservatives can you lock up? If you take a look at the people that support Donald Trump that want America to be great, you're talking at least 88 million who voted for him, and there's probably another, you know, with 30, 40 million supporters on top of that. So you're talking over half the country. Most people want America and, to be great. So how are you going to lock all of yeah. us up? You can't do it. We can just lock up the and leaders. The Other people will take the lead. Mm-hmm. And the 200 that they have locked up right now, torturing and abusing mm-hmm. them, mm-hmm. they're begging to go to Gitmo, these people. It, the conditions are bad. They're putting nasty stuff in their food. I mean, mm-hmm. this, is, this is horrible. Well, every day they are, are there. Suffering. Every day they are yeah. there is a failure of the gelding old party, the GOP, the Republicans, because every day that goes by yeah. is where's, a missed opportunity. For, wait a minute. Hold on. Yeah, exactly. Where's Matt Gates? You know, but I, let me just finish this one. But every day that goes by, every day that Kevin McCarthy yeah. isn't there and Mitch McConnell isn't there and the entire Republican delegation to Congress, you know, all of them, all 250. So you get uh, some, almost, you got 200 in the House and you got 50 in the Senate. Mm-hmm. 250 Republicans should be at the D.C. Gulag jail every single day with writs of habeas corpus demanding these people be released. And yet they don't do it. Why? Because they're part of the coup. They're part of the insurrection. They're part of the illegal government. So if these folks, yep. if, if, if the Republicans wanted them out, they'd be out today. They just show up with a writ of habeas corpus. It's like, prove your evidence. These people in jail, yeah. not because they did something wrong, but because they're political prisoners of, of the Brandon insurrection. Because they need those people yeah. to cover up for what really happened under the Capitol when the Trump supporters exactly. were both walking around taking selfies. That's the real coup. Right. And, and where the gel- exactly. where? How come one gelding reporter has come forward and said, "Do you know who tried to twist my arm and make me vote for Brandon?" Seven members of the, they voted against Brandon. The various uh, twelve senators voted against Brandon when it came to the, the battleground states. People don't realize that they forget. People forget everything. That's why I try and remind folks of this. But you've got seven states with Brandon electors, okay? Arizona, mm-hmm. New Mexico, Nevada, Michigan, Wisconsin, Georgia, and, and Pennsylvania. Those seven states have Brandon electors. Four of those states, and I forgot which four, have Republican state legislatures and a Republican governor. 
Georgia is one of them. Well, sort of mm-hmm. a Republican governor. Okay. Yeah. So every those four states, Republican legislatures and governors, could switch their brand and fraud electors for Trump electors and put Trump in office tomorrow or today. They can't really do it, though, until January 21st. The reason they can't is because the 22nd Amendment says if you serve less than two years, that doesn't count as a full term. January 21st to January 20th is... It could be Trump's the remainder of this term, and he can still run again in 2024 because he won't have served two years. That's in the 22nd thinking, Amendment. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, I truly believe that Donald Trump should do four years and then run again. So another well, he eight can't. years. He didn't. Well, I'm stolen, but it's never happened before. So here's the question. So the question is, what is what he uh, comes for for not only cheating Trump out of his presidency, but, but cheating all of us out of it too? What is the compensation for the gas price rise, the illegal aliens, the people that have been killed, the, nature, the depression, all the COVID lockdowns, everything else that happened, you know, since Brandon took over? What, how do you how do you make up for that? What's the restitution? It can't be done. It's too big a price. Mm. Well, you know, all the people we never, we never had this amendment. before. Mm-hmm. The phone's, I don't know if it's Yeah, here's the key, though. But, and nobody's talking about this. Wait. I'm trying to get a hold of some folks in the, in the, in the Trump administration to, uh, to do this. Okay, go ahead. Uh, wait. Um, mm-hmm. We never had this stolen election before. I know they have cheated. Mm-hmm. In trying to do a lot, but this is uh, this is criminal what they did. They stole the election mm-hmm. 100%. So we never had that in America. So I truly believe that Trump deserves his four years and then run again. But I think what's going to happen, he's just going to do two more to fill in the next two years coming up and then run for four more, yep. which he's going to win it. When Donald yeah. Trump bring to the light everything that he has, all the evidence that they're after, Mar-a-Lago and all that, but he knows exactly what's going on. Well, first of all, he knows uh, Trump exactly. wouldn't, wouldn't have his evidence at Mar-a-Lago. I mean, that'd be stupid. <laughs> you know, it's all over the world. It's in different places anyway. But here's oh, the 22nd yeah. Amendment. No person shall be elected to the office of president more than twice, and no person who has held the office of president or acted as president for more than two years of a term to which some other person was mm-hmm. elected president shall be elected to the office of president more than once. Okay, mm-hmm. so in other words, but see, he, he, well, let me have read this. Ooh, I got to be careful about reading this. Uh, so someone else, well, this is different because he was elected, but it was stolen from him. So he should be able to serve yeah. out the remainder of his term. Uh, so the person who acted as president was Brandon because he wasn't president. Mm-hmm. The person that was elected was Trump, oh, but he Obama. never got the office. So if he serves less, so I still read this, that if he serves from January 21st of 2023 until January 20th uh, of, of 2024. 24. 24, mm-hmm. um, then he's good to, wait a minute, 23 till 25, actually, January 21st of, uh, January 20th of 2025, he can yeah, still run in 2024. Yeah, I know what you mean, two more years. Yeah, okay, good. Well, I get mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm not good with numbers. It's okay. Yeah, well, I mean, I try. <laughs> Nobody's good with everything. Uh, but the point is that he can still, he can still serve out this term with less than two years and then run again in 2024. Mm-hmm. You know, and yep. that's, that's the whole point of it, it because he had his term stolen. So that's that's the uh, that's the compensation he gets the remainder of his term. But it was but but and here's and then the left will say, well, he has to serve from January 20th. That's what the Constitution says. And our and my response is, mm-hmm. well, you stole the election. You don't get to make the rules. You know, he can, yeah. he can start serving there because, you know, and, and that's the whole point of him serving less than two years. So what we can have is the Brandon conversion, you know, to Trump electors can take place January 21st. And but that way there's no it, argument. 
these people are going to try to arrest him because that's what Daniel Ortega is doing in Nicaragua. Anybody mm-hmm. running against him, he's been putting him in prison <laughs> in Nicaragua so they don't run. <laughs> well, see, that's dictatorship this is, 101. This, this is criminal. They all do that. Criminal. They all do that. Yeah. This is criminal they all do what it. we see in America. Yeah, but they all do it. And you know, Greg, what? you know, Greg, as a Latina that I am uh, mm-hmm. and many that I know, are you Latina? We always stop. Nobody tells me anything. Yeah, for years now you and tell years me. Okay, great. Years, <laughs> yeah. For years and years and years, we just thought America, I'm not going to say that it's a perfect country, mm-hmm. but we admire the United States. Mm-hmm. We didn't see cheating. We didn't see this. We, I mean, it's just, it's like a nightmare to me when I think about it. When I sit right here by my window and look outside, mm-hmm. when the toilet paper was out, when all this chaos is going on, I'm like, what? In America? It's just, you just cannot believe that it's happening here and that we're allowing it. It's just, it's, well, it we, like it's we aren't allowing it. The people you know, yeah, who hold are. office are allowing it because we only we're get a chance to vote every two years. Now, we could be in the streets. We could all be marching like crazy. Yeah, we, we could be protesting be like street. crazy. We should be in the streets. Yeah, yeah. I agree with you. So in that respect, we are allowing it. Yeah, yeah. Um, we are but, allowing uh, it. The, but the people that can actually change it, the real people who can change it are the state legislatures because they can disqualify their brand and electors. Say, nope, this yeah, is vote fraud. The people are They're gone. But the people are in power. And let me tell you, the people are not doing anything. They're just waiting. Because, mm-hmm. look, when they say you're going to be locked down for 14 days to help the hospital and all that, what happened two years mm-hmm. later? They had a plan to lock you in for years, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, just wait until you, <laughs> everything gets released. Well, and, and all the too. stuff that Donald Trump is going to People release. are waiting for the midterms, they, they, like something miraculous they, is going to happen. So what do you think is going to happen with the midterms? Yeah. I've got my prediction. What do you think? I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't know. No, what do you think is going to happen my with the election? Is, the election in November. My opinion, my opinion, and this is my opinion, that it's going to be canceled. I don't think we're going to have it. Yeah, the country's okay. going to be in chaos, and mm. we're not going to have it. I don't well, think. see, I'm, I'm hearing but rumblings. That's my, my, my feeling. Okay. See, I'm hearing rumblings. Mm-hmm. Nancy Pelosi is saying that the Democrats can keep the House and the Senate, and the only way they can do that is, is, is vote fraud. Yeah. Because people yeah. don't vote for higher inflation, higher gas prices, fewer jobs. They don't of vote for not. illegal aliens. So, so, not, so nothing that's happening now is things that people would vote for. So you got to figure exactly. 80 to 90% of Americans are, would not vote for what's happening right now. So the only way the mm-hmm. Democrats can win is that they think the Republicans won't change anything, so they're not going to vote. Or they're going to try and vote for the Republicans, but the Republicans aren't going to change anything because they're going to – here's what I think is going to happen. The Republicans are going to win the House and the Senate, and they're going to say, yay, we won. Thank you so much. Isn't that wonderful? And the very first issue – that comes up against Brandon, they're going to say, well, we can't pass a bill to fix this because Brandon's going to veto it anyway. That's what I think is going to happen. They're going well, to whip out I don't like know they always the do. Is going to happen. Mm-hmm. If it does, they're going to arrest a lot of Republicans too, together with Democrats. And I know a lot of the Democrats are coming uh, on our side because they cannot handle what's happening in those uh, Democrat cities. It is it is a chaos, out of control, Portland. Mm-hmm. I have people coming and sharing some of the stories. It is no good. No mm-hmm. good. They have never, Americans have never experienced that, Democrats or Republicans, because this is not the Democrats that you grew up with. This is 
this is terrorist, communist. This is totally different than your regular Democrat Party. Mm-hmm. This is not what people voted for to be a, a Democrat, or to sign up, I should say, to be a Democrat. Because Democrats are talking to me in my store, moving from Portland. They're hmm. telling me horrible stories. They're, they're fleeing. They're fleeing their state. And then I had a See, nurse, at least uh, they have somewhere uh, to go. See, month. that's the thing. They have somewhere to go. Yeah. And in, re- in real communist countries, exactly. there's nowhere to go. So that's the difference yeah. for now. But we're dividing for up into now. free states and communist states. You've got Washington, Oregon, California, New York, mm-hmm. um, Michigan. I think they're going to change. But New York, you know, the whole Northeast, the whole of New England, you know, Delaware, all, this, all the states down the coast until you get to Virginia. But, but north of Virginia but and the West Coast are, are communist states. See, Greg? A lot of people voted the Democrat Party out of California and New York City, New York, mm-hmm. the, the state. But since they stole the election, you know, but there's a lot of people that they don't want the same system again, but they mm-hmm. have stolen it. Yes, there's a lot of radical left that they love Biden. Uh, there's a black man that came and he was arguing with me. I shared with you about it in the show. And, mm-hmm. and his wife had a ton of clothes, very tiny woman uh, mm-hmm. shopping. And she gave me a look like with a sad face, like she <laughs> wasted all her time trying. Her husband got her out of the one, two, three. Well, that yeah. lady came, came Friday shopping in my store secretly from her husband. <laughs> so when oh, I asked wild. for her name and phone number to put in the computer, she said, oh, no, you're not going to call me, are you? I said, no, mm-hmm. ma'am. He said, because I'm in secret here shopping at your store from, because of my husband arguing with you about politics. I said, yeah, because he wanted for me to hear his side of the, whatever he had to say, but he, didn't, he got offended when I told him that, that Biden was a corrupt president, and he didn't want to hear that. So anyway, <laughs> so, yeah. it was kind of cute that she was shopping secretly. <laughs> Oh no! That's, that's, oh my people, hey, listen, marriages are weird. I, I actually I tried marriage once. I can't recommend yeah. it. But that's me. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, uh, let me um, let me play some. Let me play. I got. To, we have a new sponsor. Uh, Stand your ground. Uh, is okay. one of our, our sponsors here now. So let me play you. Uh, I made an ad from uh, this weekend. So uh, let me see what you think mm-hmm. of this. Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. Stand your ground. My friend, Jason Myers, and crew are creating an incredible facility for our city. Stand Your Ground is located at 6632 Elva Street. The phone number is 850-789-1776. Their email is standyourground1776 at gmail.com. Here you'll find either in process or already going an indoor shooting range, axe throwing, archery, a rage room, self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website and learn how you can best stand your ground. There you go. Have you been there? No, I haven't been there. Oh, okay. but, uh, well, it's everybody, uh, needs it's to, on... everybody needs to hear this to go practice. It's yeah, yeah. Well, I'm gonna make a YouTube so we can uh, we can share the ad. Yeah. So yeah. Elva Street is is right. Uh, it's um, well, this is kind of local information, folks. But uh, where where Caroline meets Stuart, 
uh, behind Stewart. Oh, okay. Uh, so it'd be west of Stewart, uh, behind all the restaurants, the oh. fast food places, the, the Arby's and all those places. It's right behind there. Uh-huh. It's the old Napa Auto Parts building. It's a big blue building. But they've got oh, – I tried the X-Storing. I'm terrible at it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. I'll have to work on that. Good. But so I want to do the archery. You know, okay. I've, I've still got my, my bow and arrow for archery that I had in California. We used to have a beautiful archery range on a hillside. So it felt like Robin Hood going yeah. up through these hill trails and, you know, shooting, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Bambi and then space aliens and things like that. It was great. It was really fun. Bambi. Hey, Bambi. Hey, yeah. um, are you going mm-hmm. this morning to see Estella, uh, the doctor? No, I didn't. Well, you sent me the video on that uh, or the, the announcement. Where where, and when? Uh, today at noon, they're having a luncheon with Stella Emanuel. Emanuel, yeah. I forgot her last name. Okay. Yeah, I know who she is, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, Where's yeah, that? Yeah, it's at noon if you want to go. Um, generally, uh, I don't because is. to talk to these folks, I need, I need time. And uh, to propose, to, in other words, to, to get Why her – I don't do so. I don't do celebrity stuff. I don't. I just, you know, I'd rather talk to him on the show because that way I can present our vaccine liability bill. I can present our big tech bill, and I actually have better luck with with uh, folks on the show than I do meeting them in person because there's always a gazillion people. They don't remember anything. They're totally swamped with stuff. They make their speech and they go, which is fine. Uh-huh. But I don't. That's not something that. Uh, are you going first of all? I'd be curious. I'm going, yeah. It's going to be at the Encounter uh, Church on Nine Mile, I think it is, at Nine Mile. Okay. Yeah. Well, I want you to do a live video, do a Facebook yeah. video, and you can broadcast it directly, and we'll, we'll put it on our Action Radio video uh, okay. page. Yeah. That's the yeah. best way to do it. I well, you can talk I'll, to her. I'll you're you're part of Action Radio. You can tell her about our bills. Yeah. Tell her where I'll to find them. I'll ask her a few questions I have. Yeah, yeah about Just my say, you know, Well, if they, if they didn't. Her I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I'm saying I'll, I'll be asking her questions about my niece. I was talking to her, and her lungs now are about 80% recover mm-hmm. because they Good. they gave her rendesivir for five to seven days. I'm surprised she's out of, she was out of the hospital last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she, she had to walk with uh, oxygen, and it's just crazy what what they did to her. They trashed her lungs. Yeah. So well, they I don't know the long-term effects to... of remdesivir. That's the other thing, too. I mean, we know the short-term effects of death, <laughs> uh, kidney failure. Yeah. That's the short-term, and then the ventilator yeah. kills you. Uh, so that's the short-term. Long-term, I don't know if anybody knows. I mean, people, what, 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 what's going to show up 10 years from now, 20 years from now? What's going to show up long-term with this failed Ebola drug that they just tried to get rid of? Well, one of the, one of the, the people from one of the hospitals from anesthesia, head uh, hunter, mm-hmm. one of the hospitals here, he told me her lungs are trash for life. That's what he said. Oh, I believe when it. I told I mean, him that they were giving you know, her rendezvous for five, seven days or something like that, and mm-hmm. she's lucky to be alive, actually. Yeah. I think they have mercy on her because she was buying food and things like that for the whole unit and all that, and I think they have mercy for her. But she's one of the lucky ones that she was not placed in the ventilator. Yeah. So. No, that's the normal outcome of remdesivir. You know, once your lungs fill up with fluid, you know, because your kidneys have failed. You know the fluid we're talking about. Um, Yeah. That, uh, you know, and I had fluid in my lungs from, uh, not in my lungs, my chest cavity after heart surgery, not because of the surgery. Surgery went fine. Mm -hmm. But because they gave me these blood thinners and these other drugs, um, which I, Mm -hmm. I, you know, my my whole opinion of medicine changed. I mean, I was skeptical to begin with. I, I mean, I asked like five doctors before I actually did the. The, the surgery, including 
you know, the best doctors in, in the world at Stanford Medical Center. I mean, I had a consultation with one mm-hmm. of those folks. I'm like, yep, this is the right thing to do. This is the time to do it. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I did. Now, you know, now I'm running and jumping and aerobic and gym and bike riding and all that kind of stuff. So it works. I'm doing everything. I'm doing everything now. But the problem mm-hmm. was that uh, three weeks yeah. after that, all of a sudden I couldn't breathe. And again, my chest filled with oh. fluid. Uh, I think it was the blood thinners. They, they pumped out four and a half liters. Mm-hmm. over two days. Oh, that's wow. a lot of fluid. Four and a half liters, that's like two yeah. two-liter drink bottles plus another half. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. That's a lot yeah. of fluid. That's and a it lot. Had, well, yeah. it collapsed my right lung and, and most of my left lung. Wow. You know, I was about, I was about 12 hours from suffocating um, when I got to, by the time I got to the hospital. Thank God they didn't put me on mm-hmm. a ventilator. They drained the fluid because I wouldn't yeah. be here. You're lucky. Yeah, but this is before COVID. So this is back 2016. Yeah. It was interesting. My, my first decent memory out of the hospital, out of open heart surgery, was watching Trump uh, win the election in 2016. Mm. So that's when, I, that's when yeah. I knew things were changing. And so I was, I was, you know, still in miserable shape, but at least I was out of the hospital. Uh, and then three weeks later, mm. I had uh, my, my near-death experience from uh, blood thinners. Needless to say, I gave up blood thinners and pretty much everything else they gave me, too. And I've been fine. When, so did, you, uh, when did you arrive here, Milton? Uh, February 27th, I don't remember the day exactly, uh, 2017. And I okay, started on the air. Yeah. So February 28th, was, it was a Saturday. Uh, then there was a Sunday. Mm-hmm. Then March 1st, I was on with uh, Mike Mashburn. You know, he was, uh, was going to mm-hmm. show me how to do the show. Um, he kind of showed me. <laughs> and the next day I was live. Myself. I didn't know and who I, in the heck you were. I was like, what the heck happened to my show? Because yeah, I was well, listening I did. to the show every day. Mm-hmm. And I happen like, to it. Who's this yeah. guy? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I had know. no. So it was my time, first there full. There you are. I was like, yeah. I didn't know who that was. Well, nobody that did. That was quick. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Remember the guy that called up within a, like a couple of weeks? He said, "We don't want your kind here." You know, I was like, "What is this? The 1800s? Exactly. Are we going to run yeah. me out of town on a rail? I mean, what is this nonsense?" I know. We don't want yeah. your California kind here. You know, we don't want you here. Yeah. And, and, and there's still people that don't want me here. It's kind of funny, actually. Well, I'm, I'm not leaving, so, you know. That's okay. Tough. Yeah, yeah. But uh, But what's interesting was that same guy called back six months later. He says, damn, you're more conservative than we are, and you're from California. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> so, you know, people can yeah. change. You know, I never give up on people, but yeah. that's the reason. Yeah. But uh, so I came it's here, and it was my first. You're, you're Canadian Californian. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, in New England, too. Yeah. Don't forget that. So I went to high school yeah, and college yeah. in New England. And so I, I grew up in three yeah. countries, you know, Canada, Australia, and the United States. Uh, and here I've lived in uh, uh, around Boston, and I've lived in San Francisco around there. And now I'm here in, in Milton, Florida, near the, uh, the established city of Pensacola, you know, for those that want a reference point. And, uh, yeah, it's working out great. I love it here. Hey, hey you know? this is kind of cool. I spent, I haven't talked to my niece, the one with a messed up lungs for a couple hours yesterday. And mm-hmm. she was telling me about her 18-year-old daughter, my niece. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's being brainwashed, being taught communist and all this stuff in school. Mm-hmm. So she took her to a little trip to San Diego, California, and to a lot of areas. And she was in shock when she seen a lot of the homeless in the streets in California and L.A. And um, my my little niece thinks, that we should be bringing illegals, we should give money to poor people, we should be equal and all that. And my mm-hmm. my niece, her mom, she's on purpose. She took her, she drove her around Ten City and all this area, and she was freaking out. She has mm-hmm. changed her mind. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. She, hey, she listen, I went through. So she can see it. Yeah. Well, I was yeah. skeptical of the whole liberal idea anyway. I mean, I was raised by, you know, absolute socialist, you know, parents. Um, mm-hmm. It was a, one of many problems, right? And so and I went to a, basically a, a socialist university, University of Massachusetts, and it wasn't that bad. It's a lot worse now. Uh, and, but I was Not one of the more bad. conservative yeah, students. And of course, I was already targeted. Mm-hmm. You know, I used to write articles for the the Collegian, the the newspaper, and uh, as a student senator, I was known for being a little more conservative. Especially when I came back from Washington, you know, I did my Washington internship, and then after college, I went to Europe and I crossed the Berlin Wall. I went through Checkpoint Charlie, uh, and I spent a whole day in East Berlin in real communism. You know, and uh, mm-hmm. that changed everything. <laughs> you know, after I came back from that, I was, one day, one day of communism is all it took. One and, day. Uh, uh-huh. One day. You know, and I was I was yeah. fairly conservative to begin with, just because it made more sense to me. But you spend one day we can't do it now because it doesn't exist. But uh, one day in communist East Berlin, you know, changed my mind on everything. Everybody wore yeah. the same gray brown clothes. They all looked boring. They all there was no expression yeah. on their faces. Uh, the buildings had no paint, no color. There were still bullet holes from really? when the Russians came through in World War II. Wow. All the stores, all the labels were the same. Maybe that's true in Nicaragua too. You know, it was like the state mm-hmm. peaches, state beans. All the bread came in these horrible mm-hmm. little plastic things, the same loaves. Everything was the same. There was no difference between anything. There was no life. There was no excitement. And and the greatest danger of communism, people they don't think about this. But the real danger of communism is that they bore you to death because you can't do anything. Mm-hmm. There's no hope. There's no opportunity. No. There's no growth. There's no uh, enterprise. There's no entrepreneurship. There's no development. There's no advertising. I mean, the, I couldn't believe how much I missed advertising. And it's kind of mm. weird. But oh. billboards and lighted yeah. signs and things like that that light up cities. You know, there's a big Coca-Cola yeah. sign in Times Square. Well, I don't drink Coke, but I still like the sign. <laughs> you know, so but the, mm. the, the communism is nothing. Everything. Yeah, yeah it's, and, and when the government controls, control, they want you miserable and dead. That's what they want. Mm-hmm. They want you working, yeah. miserable, and dead. That's what socialism yeah. is. And when people see how yeah. miserable they are. Now, did you remember advertising when you were a kid? Did you have different products, or was it all, you know, Nicaraguan state, you know, mangoes or whatever? Well, when I grew up, we had samosas. We didn't have Daniel Ortega. Oh. Remember? I yeah, left when I, I do. was 13. Mm-hmm. So the communist that I spent was in Chile, 1973, not Nicaragua. Oh, that's interesting. But I grew up in this Somoza regime that the United States put in place in Nicaragua. Mm-hmm. Well, he was a dictator, yeah, though. for 40 years. So, uh, they put so what was the difference between well, the dictator and... Well, he was not really a dictator, but... Oh, he wasn't. Okay. Yeah. They were in power for 40 years, the family. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then, crazy, because America put Somoza family in power... And then the father was the president, and then the son is a president, and they did everything bad, bad. And people were getting fed up with it. That's why they wanted communists. Mm-hmm. And then they regret it, of course, because the Sandinistas were promising to the poor people everything, just like here. They're promising to pay their college, free college, free money, free this. And, of course, it looks attractive. But you know what? All the rich people, they fled Nicaragua and the country is a mess. Because who are you going to steal the money from now? You know? So <laughs> yeah. it doesn't work. It doesn't, communist doesn't work. But I lived through communists in Chile as a 14 year old girl when mm-hmm. the government sent us there. And uh, a lot of the rich people fled the country. You could have bought a mansion in the capital of Santiago for five hundred to two thousand dollars 
they now source wow. millions. Yeah, wow. millions. Because they were fleeing, they were desperate. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people just fled uh, Colombia too. A lot of rich people, they're fleeing Colombia, yeah, because it's coming over there too. And and, and, and all these presidents are being placed by our corrupt government, which is Obama. Yeah. Colombian president is placed by Obama. The one from Chile, the same. Yeah, they're all got their hands in it, all of them. Yeah. And the one from Mexico, hmm. communist also. The the United States government has a big role in who's the president and, and how do they want Like Zelensky. Zelensky was put by the Democrats. Yeah. That's why. Do you know how that happens? You know, people, do you know how they put him in power? I'm not as up on my Ukraine yeah. history. Yeah. They choose who they want and manipulate, and, and you're going to be the puppet president. And and that's what they did with Zelensky. They first saying that Zelensky is from Florida, actually. Uh, he just bought a, I don't know how many million dollar mansion in Florida, Zelensky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, while well, the people are hungry over there. But our government manipulates like the Somoza for 40 years, and then they changed their mind, and they wanted the country communist. And they helped with all the weapons and all the arms. Our government here helped the Sandinistas to get rid of Somoza. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So one minute they want you to do this, another minute they want you to do that. Like here, same thing. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's power and control. That's what these people are all about. It's not really the money because they got all the money they want. All these billions of dollars sent into the Ukraine is going to their bank account. Ukraine is only getting crumbs. And the people in the Ukraine right now are begging Russia to please come and take over our city. Please, please, we beg you. That's what happened with Crimea in, in 2014. The people were begging Russia to come and take over. Please. Uh, Russia just been rescuing many families from being tortured by Zelensky's uh, militia, Nazis and military. But uh, the Ukrainian people are still in the dark. They don't want to believe it. And they love Zelensky. But they're going to hate him once they find out the truth, what's really going on. Well, it's interesting. It's another reason they had to get rid of Trump, because Trump believed in America first. And no nation can believe in itself, in its own nation. You know, that's like against the globalist mm-hmm. rules. They don't want nations. They, they're, they're John Lennon. You know, imagine we're all just one mm-hmm. brotherhood of no property, no religion, no God, no nothing. That's not going to happen. Yeah. Okay. So all of us who are against that kind of stuff, who are for, you know, God, family, and country, you know, and I believe in family, even though mine was, you know, kind of different, but that, that's just how life works. Yeah. Um, but the point okay. is that the idea of family, you know, for a lot of people, families work well, and that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. You know, a structure, a society based on families is a whole lot better than a, than a, than a structure based on government you know, control of, of the kids and the, the jobs and where you live and everything like that. So it's much better to have individuals controlling it. But Trump represented uh, not only, you know, a threat in terms of making America first, but just making America anything. Because the globalists, they don't want mm-hmm. you to think of America. They don't want you to think of us as a country, as a unit, as a people. You know, that's why they keep dividing us on all these different lines of racial and, uh, you know, the, the various uh, sexual orientation groups and all these different things that come up. You know, anything that can use mm-hmm. to divide religion. You know, you know, make sure you identify as Asian American, Black American, you know, Catholic American, you know, Hindu American. Doesn't matter what, as long as you identify as something other than American, you know, they're they're dividing. 
And so Trump represented mm-hmm. such a threat to these people, you know, that the whole global side, yeah. I mean, Trump would not have sent us to war in Ukraine. You know, in fact, I've got a bunch of articles to go over. I'm going to get some in just a bit here. Um, but uh, sure. do you have time to stick around or do you have to go run, run your business? Well, I'm going to continue my makeup and all that because I have to go to work and I have to be at this uh, event uh, probably at 1130 so I can meet okay. her. Yeah. Uh, well, well, listen, Pianchi- hey, you can speak for action. I don't know where Pianchi is. You know, he, he can't be here every day, I guess. He, he's probably listening intently. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but listen, you can represent Action yeah. Radio. You do. So talk to, uh, yeah, talk to Dr. Manuel. Uh, yeah. You can invite her on the show. You know, give her our, yeah. our uh, information, our website and, uh, and our bills, you know, and, uh, or just mm-hmm. tell her where the bills are. Writeyourloss.com, you know, Write is where you find the bills. Com. Yep. And so you, mm-hmm. and here, I'll give, you, I'll give you the official instructions. So writeyourloss.com. Click on legislation on the menu bar, and then click on all proposed laws. That's where the good ones there are. There you go. So, so mm-hmm. writeyourlaws.com, legislation, all proposed laws. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's where they are. Yeah. It's that simple. Yeah. What time is your show over today? Nine? Um, ten. ten? <laughs> We've got another hour. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, we did three hours. Best. Well, yesterday we did four hours. See, four. Uh, I, well, I learned. See, here's 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 one of the one of the the little secrets of Blog Talk Radio. I found out that you can actually do overtime. Now, nobody else can call in, but we had uh, Juliet Ramos yesterday for almost two hours. Actually, I actually had her over oh, wow. two hours. She called at nine thirty, and I had it. No, it was an hour and a half. So ten thirty, eleven. So she was on for about an hour and a half. Who's yeah. she? I don't know for many. Oh, well, neither was I until this weekend. No, she's a friend of a couple of friends of mine. Uh, she started off with the same family law, you know, emergency. The, the court stole oh. her kids. Her ex is a psychopath, uh, oh. narcissist, you know, the usual story, right? I mean, I, I, I don't say that, you know, I say that because it, it's, it's way too common. And then she, but now she's got movie parts. She's got her own podcast. She's in the top 10th percentile. She's going to help us out, Good. you know, market our better. Hopefully we'll be on Spotify and some other bigger sites. And, you know, we'll get, uh, sure. we'll go from our, you know, get several million listeners, which uh, give us huge influence in this country, well, you know. And so yeah. that's what, so she's able to help us with that. And I build, I'm able to help her because she has a part in the movie, uh, this new movie called The Falcon. And her, her, she's playing a lobbyist. And I said, well, I can do that. Uh-huh. <laughs> Maybe I can be in the film too, <laughs> you know, and they're thinking because it's uh-huh. cool. But uh, I want to, but if you want to know about lobbyists, I mean, this, is what this, this show is a lobbying show. That's what we do. We yeah. write legislation, and then we advocate it in front of legislatures, in front of media. We're all lobbyists. So you're a lobbyist, too. It's a good thing. You know, mm. it, it, it just depends on the bills that you're representing. So and if you I'm can go also to, an ambassador for Jesus Christ, too. There you go. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Jesus first, the Action but Radio you know, second. I'm, I'm fine with that. <laughs> yeah. But you know, Greg, it is time mm-hmm. to stop this child trafficking with our government. Government is child trafficking our kids. Mm-hmm. And it's getting worse and worse and worse, and they're taking kids. I, I heard this friend of mine, oh, my niece, her kids are being taken away, and she's crying. Who do we call? What do we do? I don't know what to do. You know, and well, she you don't have no money. Well, you family court. You need to abolish family court. So there are legislative Bad. solutions and there are people solutions. The legislative solution is to get rid of family court. Have, all, have divorces go to, you know, Article Three courts, real courts, with real judges and juries. Mm-hmm. Divorces should be, should be a jury trial. You know, in fact, yeah. we were talking yesterday about having the same laws that corporations use when they dissolve, when they split up, how they allocate their assets. Divorces should mm-hmm. be in the same court. It should be the same court as corporations. Mm-hmm. Get out of family court. Family court is the one. Jonathan explained it yesterday. Yesterday's show was pretty amazing. 
you know, talking about the wild yeah, west of family court. Yeah, yeah, it's mm-hmm. a it's a long show. Uh, you can skip around. Um, there's a bunch of stuff, but Juliet was a, was amazing, and she's going to wow. help us, and we're going to help her. And so we have a new friend. So uh, yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. Good. So hopefully her her one but, point uh, however many million listeners will uh, will hear our show too, which good. would be great. Yeah. Good, but uh, mm-hmm. it is uh, it is time for people to say no more. The uh, this government should not be allowed to touch our kids ever again. Mm-hmm. Because you know what, the doctors are in it. If so and so forgot to go get the newborn a vaccine because she didn't believe in it, they call on the government and they come and take your kid. This is sad. Mm-hmm. No, this is my child. You're not going to tell me what to do with my child. No, it's well, my decision if I want to vaccinate my. Yeah. No, they take kids to create yeah. trauma in the good parents. Well, vaccination, that's another thing, too. They're taking kids in some places. They take kids who weren't, quote, vaccinated, and they uh, they yeah. get them the shots, and then they suffer from the shots. They suffer from myocarditis, and they're yeah. killing kids. You know, I mean, they're killing kids they're with sex trafficking. The they're kids. killing kids with uh, drugs they're injecting them with. Uh, it's tough being a kid. Abortion, that kills kids. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing. The same party. Yeah. Now think about the think about the Democrats, the same party that yells and screams about the right to an abortion. First of all, there is no right to an abortion. You can't have a right to kill somebody else. That's just that's that's no. irrational. And that's it's the first insane. thing. So so it's not a right. Uh, and, and and the second part, especially too, because you you know the 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 woman acting you know on her behalf is fine, but uh, but telling a man what to do as the father, you can't do that either. You, you can't mm-hmm. take the life of the baby, no. you know, and and make the decision for the baby. You know, so 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 there's no such yeah. thing as a right to abortion. So when these people start no. screaming that uh, you know the Supreme Court got rid of the right to an abortion, there is no right to abortion. There's no right to marriage either because it's two people. You know, it's contract, and things that are contract are not it's rights. So people are really screwed up on a lot of stuff. But uh, but yeah. the whole idea that we're bringing in five plus million illegals and aborting Americans—that's the Great Replacement program, folks. It's got nothing to do with, with white people being upset that, you know, other skin colors are coming in here. You know, speaking as a white person, we don't care. We don't. Oh, some white people do, but some black people do and some Asian people, et cetera, et cetera. But for the most part, white mm-hmm. people in America don't care. We don't think of ourselves as white mm-hmm. people unless it's pointed out, you know, that, hey, you're a white person. And I'll say it on the show, too. I'm like, yeah, so? Yeah. Well, are you, are you going to be upset if, uh, if all, the, you know, you're a minority? I said I was a minority in 30 years in California. I never cared. I didn't care a bit. I was always a minority in California. Uh, but so what? Mm-hmm. You know, in fact, all the California mm-hmm. white people don't consider themselves threatened by all the other people, even though they're the minority. Do you see people running out of California because they're, they're white? No, they're running out of California because California is communist. That's why they leave yeah. California. So this and whole idea know, that, that, these... that white people don't want to be around minorities is, is crazy because you look at the people, look at the places in the country where white people are the minority, and they're still there. <laughs> they don't, they're not going anywhere. Unless the economic situation, but everybody's leaving that. Yeah. I also see how brainwashed a lot of these young people and uh, even them higher uh, level uh, leaders, how they're brainwashing themselves by Mm -hmm. saying black lives matter. A white person saying that, it sounds so retarded and not educated at all. What about you? What about you? You're nothing. You're a piece of dirt. Mm -hmm. It's just... When I see stuff like that, it's just like, do these people go to school? Do these people know about life? (laughs) No. It'd be funny if I went to, uh, I should go to a Black Lives Matter rally with a sign that says white people don't matter. (laughs) Just for the fun of it. (laughs) Just to see what happens. (laughs) Yeah, white people don't matter. 
I don't matter. That's exactly that's what, what when that when a white person says black lives matter to me, my life don't matter. But you're well, that's exactly what they're saying. I mean, so stupid. I might as well go to a Black Lives Matter rally with a sign that says white people don't matter. It'd be great. Exactly. Have a black power fist on it, the whole bit. It'd be great. Yeah. So yeah. stupid. Yeah. White it's people like don't matter. They, they never went to school. Yeah. I don't know. Or I should, I should have a sign that says, uh, I'm a white person and I want to be a slave. And I'll bring that to a Black Lives Matter rally. Yeah. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> Well, bring back white slavery. DC, when I, what? A couple of years when I was in Washington, D.C. for the 4th of July with Trump. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I guess, yeah, when Trump was celebrating uh, the 4th of July. Uh, I went and I thought I was going to one of those uh, meeting rallies for conservative, and I ended up myself with uh, Antifa. I'm like, what the heck am I doing here? This is not yeah, Trump. Exactly. And then yeah. I went across, and it was a Black Lives Matter, and I got in their faces. And they were videotaping me. I said, I don't care. Go ahead. I got closer to the camera. I said, go ahead, videotape me. Black Lives mm-hmm. Matter, but why, why don't you come to the abortion clinic and rescue some of the black babies? Mm-hmm. Oh, I, we don't want to talk about that. You know. I said, go ahead, record me. Come on, do it. And mm-hmm. I got in their faces. They were not too happy about it. <laughs> well, no, because it's a, it's a propaganda I, I, group. You know, you're supposed to give yeah. the condition response. You're supposed oh, to bow to them that. and say, yes, Black Lives Matter. Oh, please oppress me so I'll make up for past injustices. Yeah. Well, I never oppressed a black person. Mm-hmm. I never owned slaves. My family didn't. And it wouldn't matter. That was generations ago. You know, I'm not responsible. We don't hold Germans today accountable there. for the Holocaust, even though there are Germans today who you're are descended from Nazis, you know, because that was different time, mm-hmm. different generation. People are responsible for themselves. You know, do we hold blacks responsible exactly. for the blacks that were sent from black Africa to the United States? No. So the real, so in mm-hmm. fact, uh, you know, and why aren't, uh, why aren't, uh, in, in that respect, why aren't, quote, African-Americans paying reparations to white people, you know, for sending slaves here in the first place? <laughs> you know, wouldn't that be interesting? <laughs> you know, it's like, well, oh, your people sent them. Her- you know, Kamala if you're African-American, then what's that? Great. Kamala Harris uh, family in Jamaica. They uh-huh. own over 200 slaves. Sure. They, don't, they don't talk about that, though. And they no, were well, a we black do. family. Well, they, well no, they're not. They're Indian, and Jama- they're Indian and Jamaican. I don't think there's any... any yeah, cool. from when India black, Jamaica. Yeah. Well, what's uh, this idea that Indians are called South, South Asians? Indians are Indians. They're not mm-hmm. South Asians. You know, I don't know why mm-hmm. that's, uh, that, that, that's, a, that's a ridiculous thing. I mean, when I think of Asians, I think of, you know, China, Japan, Thailand, Vietnam, Cambodia, yeah. Laos. That's Asia. Mm-hmm. Okay, Burma, mm-hmm. which is now Myanmar. I don't think of India mm-hmm. as Asia. <laughs> I'm sorry, this, Indians and Asians are different. But to call India yeah. Southeast Asia, that, that's just weird. I don't know what that's all about. Anyway, I'm, I feel like I Andy Rooney. That bothers me. So why do we do that? I'm not sure. <laughs> anyway, let me let you go. I'm going to go play some things, and I'm going to get onto my uh, my, my to, articles uh, of. I'm going uh, to yeah, go ahead. I'm going to I'm going to hang up. Okay, God bless. Okay, sounds good. God bless you too. Great chat today. This All is right. fun. All right. Bye-bye. See you later. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. 
Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is greatcare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H-Care.com. You can email them at greatcare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great Care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. From addiction to achievement, that is the story of Mike Lindell. It started with my pillow and now goes to my coffee. Action Radio is proud to be an affiliate of my pillow. Our discount code is the same for all our product affiliates, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws. My pillow pillows are guaranteed the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own. Action Radio is guaranteed to be the most controversial show you will ever hear. Check out their products with our discount code at MyPillow.com slash W-Y-L. That's MyPillow.com slash W-Y-L. Or order now by calling 1-800-544-8939. That's 1-800-544-8939. Sleep well so you can wake up and hear Action Radio Live. And if you really want to help Action Radio, we have this. Here at Action Radio, we are looking for sponsors. We have 30 and 60 second spots available for your announcements. And we have three minute live call-ins to talk about your products and services available. Action Radio is the next evolution beyond talk radio. Join us and let us help your business evolve. Think about being a sponsor of the future and not just a listener and help us help your business grow as you help us plunge headlong into breaking new ground here on Action Radio every day. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strike Force, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code WYL to the discount code window at checkout. WYL comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So 
you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engines. Action Radio. Part of the ADHD Radio Network. The ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take. That is Action Radio. That sounds pretty good. I want to be a part of that. <laughs> Actually, I am. Uh, the lines are open. Uh, we have uh, our call number here, 215-383-3832. Live chat is open. If you want to type in a message, you just get a free account and just register at the bottom of your broadcast page. You can type in something from around the world. The Skype line is open. So you call in today. You can be on the show as soon as tomorrow uh, once I check the, uh, the Skype lines and uh, see, oh, approve your account. And otherwise, so just uh, listen and share the podcast. Share uh, when, it, when that is. We're live right now. Um, but if you listen, you know, after our, our live show, you know, you can share the live, share the podcast, and let's get the word out. And our, our two main objectives right now, there's two bills that are at writeyourlaws.com. I was talking about this with Josie. So writeyourlaws.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S, writeyourlaws.com. You go to the uh, legislation uh, item on the menu bar, and then you click on all proposed laws. It's the third one, third item down. And that'll get you the, the, the bills that we're submitting to government right now. And the big ones are vaccine product liability. And we're trying to uh, get a bill into Congress that would uh, put full product liability back on vaccine makers. And the other one is the end of big tech censorship by taking away their, their power to uh, remove things from the Internet uh, and cancel accounts and arrange the search engines and say that uh, uh, you're still immune from everything that anybody posts on, on, uh, the, on uh, social media and how they use the search engines. But if you touch anything that anybody posts, if you touch anybody's account, or if you touch the way the search engines are arranged, other than just the raw number of hits, you lose your liability immunity and you be uh, sued. And that's how you get rid of big tech. Um, uh, li- that's how you get rid of big tech control of the internet. I mean, it's just that simple. So for, for vaccine product liability, we, you know, there are two places in law where it says vaccine manufacturers shall not be liable. Well, you just take out the word not. Now the law says vaccine manufacturers shall be liable. Well, you don't have to be a lawyer to understand that. That's, anybody can understand that. And so that's, uh, that's why that, th- those two bills are really important um, to get to every member of Congress. And that includes the Senate. So the House and the Senate, plus every media person you know, um, that's, uh, and get the talk show host talking about this. Because until the talk show hosts start talking, until the pollsters start, start polling, until the reporters start reporting on this, it's not going to get into Congress and go anywhere. So the biggest thing we need right now is, is to change the national debate and get the media uh, involved in our bills. And that's how it's going to happen. Right? It's not going to happen any other way. So if you haven't shared the bills and you haven't shared the show, um, please start. So then you can actually be helping instead of just listening. Because listening, listening, the time for listening is past. 
Time for talk shows has passed. Talk show radio, talk radio is obsolete. I'll tell you right now. Talk radio is obsolete because it doesn't do anything. They don't change anything. They don't advocate anything. They, they just talk. And they say, oh, whoa, is us. Oh, here are the problems. Oh, oh, oh. And here's a commercial. Pay us money and help improve our ratings so we can make more money telling you how miserable you are. Well, that's not good enough anymore. We don't need talk show hosts. We need action hosts. We don't need, you know, independent. We don't, we don't need uh, objective journalists. We need conservative news advocates that not only state the problems, they state the solutions. That's what we need. So everything's changed. It's, it's too late for objective. It's too late for talk radio. That, that time is gone. We've, we've been taken over by a coup. We have an illegal government in the White House. The government chose the government. The government went against everything that the principles that they swore an oath to protect uh, state and installed the government that they chose against one that we chose. We chose Trump. They put in Brandon. That's a coup. That's illegal. We're suffering under the dictatorship of an illegal government, you know, and that's just there every day. So expecting the government to correct the government is kind of a contradiction because they approve the government because they're the ones who put them in there. You know, so to expect them to change much. This is why I don't think this midterm is going to have a whole lot of effect. The Republicans are going to win, and they're going to say, oh, look at us. We're going to change everything. We're going to change all these policies. And they're not going to change a thing because everything they do, Brandon is going to object to. So the, the, the way to change, if the Republicans said, we're going to get Brandon out of office, we're going to get him out uh, after January 20, 20th of 2023 so that Trump can run again in 2024, that's what we're going to do. Then we voted for him. At this point, I don't know what I'm going to do. I haven't quite decided. You know, I registered a Republican for the uh, the primary because all the all the important offices in, in the, the Panhandle of Florida are the ones running for the Republican office. I mean, those are the important ones. But the Democrats don't count here. They just don't. Sorry, guys, you don't count. Uh, but for the general election, I, I don't know. You know, the, I mean, I know who's going to win, um, but I'm just, I'm just curious. You know, to see uh, to see what I well, let's see what happens. Yeah, I'll probably vote. You know, for. Uh, uh, the folks that, uh, well, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I'll give you details later. If anybody's curious, call me up and ask me. I'll tell you what I think uh, about individual candidates. But overall, you know, individual candidates don't count. You know, my congressman, Matt Gates, he's a good congressman. You know, I support him. Will I vote for him? Probably. I can't imagine voting for a Democrat instead. But he's not the, he's not the, uh, the issue. The issue is the party because he still is in the Republican Party. And the Republican Party controls the Republican, you know, uh, people in office by uh, campaign funds and rules and everything else. They control all the Republicans because they control all the Republicans. So one Republican screaming and yelling and, and doing what Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene did, showing up at the D.C. Gulag jail uh, to try and help with the situation or even inspect it, that's not enough because the party supports Brandon. So it doesn't matter what they do. You know, as long as the party supports Brandon, they support the coup, they support Mike Pence stealing the election you know, the first vice presidential candidate in history to steal the election for the other side. You know, I mean, but they don't, they don't say that. There's not one item in McCarthy's commitment to America to change, to correct the election results, to correct the fraud. There's not one, you know, little codicil. Oh, this is a big word, okay? There's no mention in McCarthy's commitment to America to uh, kick out all the illegals that Brandon's bringing in. So why should I vote for them? There's no reason. Well, anyway, <clears throat> the war in Ukraine could have been avoided by a simple negotiation over six points that Putin pro proposed before the war ever took place. I'm readjusting my seat. Can you tell? All right, hang on. Let's, let me get comfortable. Ah, there we go. Okay. This is from World News from the website AS. I don't know what it stands for, but it's a foreign source, and that's how I got on our – we have a foreign page for our news. Putin's six demands to end Russia's invasion of Ukraine. This is from March 15th. So this was right before, I think it was February 24th was the invasion. So this is right at the very beginning. This is right where things are getting going. 
says Putin's six demands to end Russia's invasion of Ukraine. President Vladimir Putin has gone further than almost anyone expected in his brutal and inhumane unlawful attack. So what does he want from it? Okay, so there's my Russian accent. So yeah, so this is a biased article, but at least they state the six points. So it says here, um, as the war between Ukraine and Russia rages on, representatives from the two countries continue to meet almost daily in an attempt to reach an agreement and lay down their arms for good. Now, what's fascinating about this is that uh, Tucker Carlson last night was talking about that. He said that early in the war, early in the, in the invasion, early in this, that uh, Putin was trying to negotiate. In fact, Putin was trying to negotiate before he went in, and nobody listened because the West, you know, Brandon, the insurrection, the globalists, the globalists want a war. The globalists always want a war. You know, if not Iraq, then Afghanistan. If not Afghanistan, then Ukraine. doesn't matter, though, as long as you have a war somewhere. You know, you had World War II. You had Korea. You had Vietnam. You had different wars and conflicts, and then you had uh, Iraq, uh, Afghanistan, and, and Ukraine. Have to be a war somewhere. That's policy, right? So that's what the globalists want. The globalists want the, the countries fighting to, uh, so they don't see what the globalists are doing, and they don't uh, realize that they become more dependent on the globalists. NATO is a globalist organization. If all of Europe belongs to NATO, what's the point? I mean, Europe can form their own union. They have a European union for economic stuff. NATO is a military union. Well, NATO should, we should be out of NATO. Should, Trump should have gotten us out of NATO. Hope he does when he comes back. Anyway, so the war rages on, and it was only in its third week, I think, when it was written. So, so February 24th. So this would have been March 15th, yeah, but about the third week uh, of the war in Ukraine. Uh, so anyway, but they were negotiating. They were meeting all the time, right? <clears throat> Excuse me again. I'm sorry. It says, as of Monday, the official number of civilians killed in the war in Ukraine stands at 636, of whom 46 are children. That's according to the UN. Dubious source. A further 1125 people have been injured, 62 of them being children. It is feared these figures fall well short of the reality. Well, then why are you reporting it? <laughs> if it falls short of the reality, why is it there? Call me uh, you know, insensitive, but I'm just curious. Anyway, so then, then we got this one down here. Uh, it says, what is the Kremlin asking for to end the war? This is where it gets interesting. Okay? So Putin never wanted to invade Ukraine, it looks like. Um, Putin, I, I think, was forced to do it in the same way that Kennedy almost invaded Cuba during the Cuban Missile Crisis, because there were nuclear missiles in Cuba aimed at the United States. Well, we couldn't handle that. Okay, we, we, we couldn't handle, that's probably the wrong choice of words. We couldn't accept it. Okay? In the same way, Putin cannot accept nuclear missiles aimed at Russia and Ukraine, because Ukraine's right on the border with Russia. So if we're not going to accept Cuban Russian missiles in Cuba, excuse me, which is only 90 miles away, which is even further than U- Ukraine's on the Russian border. Okay, so the time from Kiev to Moscow is minimal in terms of a missile. What, five minutes? <laughs> Less? I don't know. It's not very far, especially for a nuclear you know, ballistic missile. So, of course, they didn't want missiles there. So what to do with Ukraine? Ukraine was part of the former Soviet Union. Now, does that mean they can have it back? No. Ukraine's an independent country, but how independent is it when Zelensky and all these other folks are basically owned by uh, the, the globalists and, and Brandon, the Brandon insurrection government? Or should I say the Obama administration? I start calling it the Obama administration. So the Obama administration owns Ukraine. You know, the Obama administration is going to get us into a war because they're not responsible because Obama's not the public figure. Brandon is. So they'll blame Brandon. So Obama gets to do all the things he, he wanted to do before and not get the blame for it because everybody's going to blame Brandon because the media is in on that. That's part of the coup. The part of the coup is to blame, some, blame somebody who's mentally incompetent who will say what Obama wants to say, but he can't say it himself because we know he's not mentally incompetent. And he'd be responsible for what he said. So you give the things that Obama wants to say to somebody who's not responsible for what they say, and you can't criticize them because we know they're not responsible. Yet what they say is outrageous, and we know it comes from someone else. 
You following all this? I know it's complicated, but that's what happens. All right, so the, the headline is, what is the Kremlin asking for to end the war? It says, although neither country is giving up at the moment, both countries want to end the war. We hope. I'm not sure that Ukraine does, because Ukraine is making too much money right now, despite the fact they're losing a whole lot of people. But, you know, I mean, we lost a whole lot of people, but uh, Fauci made money, and the other folks made money, and the, the health folks made money, and Big Pharma made money, so they didn't care how many people were lost. You know, they're bringing more across the border. So, you know, that's how that works, right? In the overall calculus. Article says, according to Mikhailo Podolyak, negotiator and advisor to Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky, I should learn how to, I should remember his name, right? This is both Kiev and Moscow, and it's Kiev, folks. It's spelled K-Y-I-V, according to this, this spelling here. That's Kiev. It's two syllables, Kiev. Ugh, it's not Kiev, idiots. Both Kiev and Moscow have seen significant progress in negotiations. My personal expectation is that this progress will very soon lead to a common position between the two delegations and the signing of documents. So what has the Russian president Vladimir Putin been pushing for? So the way, the way I see it in this nutshell, and like again, Tucker Carlson was talking about this last night, saying we're going to get a nuclear war. These idiots in the Brandon insurrection, the people behind him, Obama, you know, President Obama III, you know, is going to get us into a nuclear war if, if they're not careful. Maybe that's what they want. I don't know. Maybe that's the way to destroy the United States is to have Russia do it. That's why they keep focusing on Russia. I don't know. All I do know is that we're being run by, by uh, insane people. And they need to go. They need to be out of office. They need to, uh, we need to remove Obama from the branded insurrection. That's what we need to do. So anyway, so they try to negotiate. And, and Tucker Carlson made the point last night that Putin's decided that there's no point in negotiating, that the branded insurrection and the globalists are never going to negotiate with him because they want a war. So they may force him to use nuclear weapons to defend his country if they create a bad enough situation. I'm hoping they're not that stupid but I, I'm not counting on it. So I don't know. We'll see if we broadcast tomorrow. So here are the six demands. And I went over these yesterday, but it's, it's worth going over again. The demands are no NATO membership and a neutral position. So no NATO membership for Ukraine. Is that unreasonable? No, it's not. You know, would you want uh, Cuba to be, you know, Russia West <laughs> or, or, you know, have missiles aimed at us? No. So no NATO membership. In fact, I wouldn't have NATO membership for any new country. NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization that was formed after World War II to defend Western Europe against a further Russian invasion because Russia was at the Iron Curtain. Russia was at the Berlin Wall in Germany, and Russia, you know, after the Nazis you know, were forced out of Eastern Europe, Russia took those countries over. So they went from one dictatorship to another, one leftist Nazi dictatorship to a leftist uh, communist dictatorship. So for Eastern Europe, not a whole lot changed. But you look at Eastern Europe. Romania, Bulgaria, uh, some of the other countries, uh, Latvia, Estonia, Lithuania, uh, Ukraine, Belarus, uh, Czech Republic, which was Czechoslovakia. You know, all those countries, uh, you know, Hungary, Austria, well, Austria wasn't, but Hungary was. So all those countries of Eastern Europe were occupied by the Soviet Union after World War II because the Russian troops didn't leave. So if you've got Russian troops all over Eastern Europe and you're Western Europe, you're fearful because you don't want the Russian troops in Eastern Europe, coming into Western Europe, you know, Austria, Switzerland, uh, Germany, uh, which was two parts, which was actually half Russian at that point. So West Germany, you know, France, England, Scotland, Ireland, Denmark, Holland, Belgium, you know, Portugal, Greece, Italy, Norway, Scotland, uh, I mean, Norway, uh, Sweden, and Finland. 
all those countries, you know, I th- I'm not sure who had started NATO. I'm guessing it was the victors of World War II. So the main people in it would have been France, um, Germany, West Germany, and England would have been the main you know, places for NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. So originally it was to go after, to protect Western Europe from Eastern Europe and Russia. Well, once Russia dissolved, once the Soviet Union dissolved, the Soviet Union was gone. There was no need for NATO. NATO should have dissolved at that point. So, okay, you're on your own. Thank you. Appreciate it. No problem. That was back during Gorbachev. So that was back in the 80s. So NATO has had no reason to exist since the 80s. And if it didn't exist, we wouldn't be in a, in a war now in Ukraine. There'd be no reason to, because Eastern Europe and Western Europe, those designations wouldn't exist anymore. You just have countries. You know, they'd all be they'd be former East Europe or former you know Western Europe, but they wouldn't uh, but they wouldn't exist as military powers because the Warsaw Pact were the Eastern European countries forced on that by the Russians, the Soviets after World War II, and NATO was the was the opposition. So they met along the Iron Curtain, the division between Eastern and Western Europe. That's what NATO was about. So as soon as there was no Eastern Europe. Russia, as soon as they became independent countries again, NATO should have said, great, we're done, and gone home, but there was much money in it. So now they justify their money to get more money by having more countries involved in NATO. Well, that's what's causing the war. <laughs> you know, Ukraine and NATO is what's causing the war. So if you want to stop the war, stop putting Ukraine in NATO. Take our weapons out, get rid of NATO, and you're not going to have a problem. Oh, yeah, the countries may have problems with each other, and Russia is still there, and, you know, and Europe can uh, defend against Russia their own way. You know, they're big boys and girls now. Let them do it. So Putin's six demands. One, no NATO membership and a neutral position for Ukraine. Two, Russia should be the second official language of Ukraine with laws prohibiting it uh, abolished. So think about that. Russia, pro, I mean, Ukraine prohibits the Russian language being spoken. Well, you've got a lot of ethnic Russians. Donbass, Lubchek, whatever those two places are. No, Lugansk and Donetsk. Donetsk. I can't pronounce my Russian. D-O-N-E-T-S-K. Donetsk. How'd I do? And Lugansk. Those are the two provinces between Russia and Crimea. So you've got Crimea, Donetsk, Lugansk, and Russia. And maybe there's one other one in there too. So those are the areas that are ethnic Russian. Russian language is spoken. They are as Russian you know, as, as the, as the Quebecois in Canada are French, they speak French, you know, that's a, it's a French culture and it's one third of Canada. Okay. So what if Canada, this would be like Canada outlawing the French language in Canada and completely oppressing Quebec. That would be the equivalent in Ukraine. That's what they're doing there. Of course, the other, the other part would have like, like Nazi groups in Ukraine and Canada also, but that's not happening, but it's happening in Ukraine. So you've got Nazis, former Nazis from uh, World War II in eastern Ukraine. You've got Russians, ethnic Russians in western Ukraine. You've got the Dnieper River in the middle. It's fascinating. So anyway, so recognize Crimea as Russian territory. See, that would be a negotiating point. I think, eh, I don't know about that. But nobody questions that Obama gave Crimea to Russia. Well, how'd that happen? If, if Russia is such a bad thing, why did Obama sit there and do nothing while Russia took Crimea? which is former Russian territory anyway, as was all of Ukraine. So it was independent, then it was Russian, now it's independent again. I don't know. Would I go for, to war over Crimea? No. You know, should Ukraine go to war over Crimea? Well, probably, maybe, I don't know. But what they should really do is negotiate this. See, obviously Russia has a superior military to Ukraine. Ukraine cannot win against Russia. The only way they can, can stand up to Russia is if we donate billions of dollars, all kinds of arms, and, and that's going to get a lot of Ukrainians and Russians killed. And for what? Russia's still going to win because Russia's bigger than Ukraine. 
I mean, that's just, that's just a simple fact of life. So what the Russians are trying to do is help the, the Russian, ethnic Russians in Ukraine who are begging for help from Russia. Because they know if Russia leaves, then the Ukrainian secret police are going to kill them. Because the, you know, anybody who's, who's sympathetic with Russia. Because Ukraine doesn't want that. Ukraine's not a democracy. And I heard that from on the news from Russian citizens, from Ukrainians saying, you know, Russian Ukrainians saying, look, they're going to come after us and kill us. Is it true? It's plausible. So the fourth one, recognize the independence of Donetsk and Lugansk. I talked about that. Recognize Russia, Crimea as Russian territory. Here's five. Demilitarization of Ukraine and abandonment of weapons that could be a threat to the Kremlin. Okay, well, that'd be nuclear weapons. Conventional weapons are not a threat to the Kremlin in Ukraine. You know, artillery, jet fighters, things like that. You know, missiles, ballistic missiles, as long as they're not nuclear, they're not a threat to the Kremlin because, because Russia can defend against any, any conventional weapon Ukraine might have. So they're not asking them to demilitarize everything, just the nuclear ballistic missiles that can shoot from Ukraine to Russia. That makes sense. And the sixth one, banning of ultra-nationalist parties and organizations in Ukraine. That would be the banning of Nazi groups. Germany has, Germany has banned Nazi groups. You know, we don't think too highly of them here. There are Nazi groups in the United States. There are, you know, former Nazi and Nazi sympathizers that believe in the Aryan race. They hate Jews and they, they, uh, they're leftists and they believe that uh, the government should, uh, you know, do what Nazi Germany did. Okay, they're wackos. They're nutcases. I wouldn't ban them. But that's one of the demands that, uh, that you know, Putin wants. He doesn't want, all, he doesn't want Nazi groups rising up again because Russia lost 20 million people in World War II. I heard a staggering statistic that 80% of the men born in 1922 died in World War II. 80% of Russian men born in 1922 died in in World War II. Why? Because they turned 18 in 1940. That's why. They were all conscripted. Can you imagine losing 80% of all the American men born in a certain year? And it's kind of unthinkable, isn't it? But not to Russia, because that happened. So if that happened to us, do you think we'd be a little upset with a country that did it? Maybe. <laughs> do, you, do you think we might ban groups? If Germany attacked the United States in World War II and killed 80% of American men born in 1922, do you think we'd have a little objection to Germany, to, to, to Nazi groups forming in this country? I would say so. So I understand why they're doing it. So the question becomes, what should be negotiated? You know, of those six points, this is what Putin wants to avoid war. But just because he says it doesn't mean it's going to happen. But we never even considered these points. We never looked at them. We never thought about them. I mean, the, the, the Brandon insurrection dismissed them completely. The one I would do is recognize Crimea as Russian territory. That'd be the one I would want to negotiate. So, well, yeah, maybe not. Okay, we talked about this yesterday, how Russia wants a seaport. Well, there's plenty of Russia on the, on the, the, the Black Sea that don't need Crimea as a seaport. You know, are they protecting the Russian citizens? Well, you can negotiate, you know, protection for uh, Ukrainians who are ethnic Russian. You don't have to go to war over it. You know, the, and the independence of Donetsk and Lugansk. And, you know, so if they become independent territories, you know, they're probably going to be aligned with Russia. But if they're independent and they, they, they secede from uh, Ukraine and that avoids a war, you know, you've got parts of uh, Ukraine that don't want to be in Ukraine anyway. What's the problem? Well, and that seems like okay. Demilitarization? Yeah, as long as it's not conventional weapons. As long as Ukraine can't defend itself from Russia. But if they want nuclear weapons, yeah, you know, I mean, that's up to them to negotiate. Banning of ultra-nationalist parties. See, I wouldn't ban a party here, but I can understand why they want to ban Nazi parties in Ukraine. But that's a negotiating point. You know, I think the Ukrainians probably don't want the Nazi groups either. 
Well, maybe some do. So this is what gets confusing. So anyway, so that's where they stand. And, and so I don't see a problem here with these. I don't understand why um, this is such a difficult thing to do. Kind of weird. But that's where we stand. All right. Uh, let me see. That, that covers that. I've got a bunch of other articles here. I, I think I want to save those. Uh, because I've been doing a lot of talking this morning. So what I do, i got two hours, and I'm hoping to fill one of these with another report. So what I want to do is play one of my WEBY interviews. And I haven't done this for a while. But I don't think I've played this one at all. This was, uh, then we get to oh, 14 minutes. Before, yeah, so we'll run a little bit over the top of the hour. But that's okay. I played my commercials. I played my stuff. I had my guests. I had my reports. Okay, we're good. All right. So this, was, this aired uh, July 13th of 2017. It's one of my earlier interviews back at WEBY. So WEBY, 1330 AM WEBY, Northwest Florida's news and talk leader. That was my first full-time job in radio. And I got it uh, started March 1st of 2017. And so this would have been July. So this has been six months into my radio career. So I'm still pretty new at this, right? Okay. Anyway, but uh, one of the, the least uh, effective groups because by design, because the judges have taken away the power of juries and people have let them do it, uh, is the jury system. And the jury system is designed to review the laws passed by government. It's not designed to find guilt or innocence. It really isn't. I mean, it is, but it isn't. I mean, that's what we do. That's what juries do, decide guilt and innocence. But what it really does is that is the place where the people have a final check on the laws of government. Because in order to convict somebody, a jury has to approve of that law. And a jury can acquit somebody. Uh, even if somebody is, is guilty of, of breaking the law, the law itself may be uh, guilty because it's unconstitutional. So in which case, the jury's not acquitting because the, the person didn't do it. They're acquitting because the law itself is unjust. And that's the function of juries. That's what they're supposed to do. Juries represent the people, and the judges represent the government. So who's superior in a, in a court? Well, the jury, obviously. So the fact that judges give instructions is horrendous. I don't want to take too much away from this. I'm kind of going to play it. Uh, I haven't heard this one myself for years. Well, I heard it when I, when I edited it. So what I do is edit, edit – start again, Greg. I edit out the commercials, you know, and I take out the news breaks. And so what's normally like a 55-minute interview, you know, I cut it down to 42 minutes. So you're losing 18 minutes of unnecessary fluff. So take those out. But you're going to hear the term W-E-B-Y sometimes. You're going to hear a phone number that's not our number here. Our number here is 215-383-3832. You'll hear the old 686-whatever number of W-E-B-Y. Just don't worry about that. That's for continuity's sake. But I'd be curious. We've never really, we haven't talked about juries for a while, and we're going to. We're going to talk more about it. But let me play this now because uh, I haven't heard for a while. I'm kind of curious myself. And let's, uh, let's see what you all think of, uh, of juries and how we can change our jury system, how we can put juries in family court, and how we can do a bunch of things that need to be done. Uh, back at the end of the show. Oh, yeah. I've wanted to do this show for a long time. And so nothing infuriates me more than the continued misinformation that goes on from the judiciary saying they have the power of judicial review and from the lack of knowledge people have over the fact that um, – you know, juries are, are people have no idea the power they have in a jury and judges are continually misinforming them. And that's how the show came about. So I have a very special guest I want to introduce right now. He is an attorney, sociologist and libertarian activist. He is a legal advisor to the Fully Informed Jury Association. He has taught criminal justice at the university level and worked on high profile federal criminal cases. Currently working on the Clive and Bundy defense. And we're going to talk about that one day, too. He's the author of a book, 
The Conviction Factory, The Collapse of America's Criminal Courts. It's available on Amazon. Please welcome my special guest, Dr. Roger Root. Yeah. Dr. Roots, how you doing? I'm doing very well. All right. So go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Oh, good, good, because I'm really glad to have you here because this this started. I had a had an epic debate uh, a couple of weeks ago with uh, a caller named Joel, who's got 40 years of attorney experience, which is great. But he is of the contention that uh, juries have to uh, follow the judge's instructions and they can't rule on the law and the, the Supreme Court laws are you know whatever they say goes and the Constitution is subservient to that. And I, we just have to get this mis- misinformation out you know as, as much as we can. So if you can tell me a little bit about about you, what you're working on, and, and Fiji. Let's, let's get started with that. Yeah, FIJA is the uh, Fully Informed Jury Association. FIJA.org is the website. And it's the oldest and largest organization that is totally dedicated to educating jurors and potential jurors, which means really any American. Uh, basically, uh, there is a problem in criminal justice. There's a problem in the criminal courts. Just like you said, the legal profession is filled with people, and you find them especially in the prosecution and the judges, who honestly believe that juries are never supposed to think about the law. They're only supposed to think about the so-called facts of a criminal trial, okay? Yep. And so you will see at the end of a lot of criminal trials in most jurisdictions, the judge will instruct the jurors, you must follow my interpretation of the law. Uh, if you find that the government met its burden of proof beyond a reasonable doubt, you must find the defendant guilty. And of course, it's not true. It's an absolute lie. The the juries have always had the right to declare not guilty for any reason, even in the face of overwhelming, insurmountable evidence. Oh yeah, I, well, that, I went to a court yeah. case. You know, I was at a jury myself. This is years ago, and I didn't I didn't have time to serve on the jury. But I remember uh, saying to the judge, judge gets up and says exactly that that you are you have no you know no power to decide what the law is. You have to decide just based on the facts of the case. We will tell you what the law is. And I raised my hand and said, Judge, uh, with all due respect, sir, you're wrong. I said I know about the fully informed jury association. I said this in open court, right? And I said that uh, no, it was it was a classic. It was hysterical. And I said uh, no, I'm going to judge the. the law, I'm going to judge the Constitution, and if the law complies with the Constitution, then they'll you know, I'll rule on that basis. And I said, and if the law is wrong, if it's not just, then I'm going to certainly interpret the law. And he looks at me and says, well, you're just going to apply any law you want? You're going to do whatever you feel like? I said, no, not at all. But it's, and I had this tradition you know, of the jurors doing this, and it all got screwed up somehow. But I said, but that's what juries have the power to do. And I look at everybody in the courtroom and say, you can decide the law. The judge is, the judge is a public servant. He works for the government. I said, we are the people. We are supreme to the government. And I said, and that's, on that basis, I'll decide the law. And he looks at me and says, Greg, you're excused. <laughs> and with, with a standing ovation, I, I walked out the door. But uh, that's the state of law. So that's what I'm up against. Yep. And that happens all over the country. And it's, it, it did not used to be that way. Uh, all through the 1800s, probably in, well into the mid-1900s, the common way to instruct jurors is, yeah, the judge tells you what the law is, the ju- you know, most jurors want to hear the judge tell them the law. They want to know the little specifics of the law. What, what's the difference between burglary and robbery? What's the difference between first-degree murder and second-degree murder, etc.? The jurors want to know the law, but in the end, it is up to the jury 
to choose to apply it or not or, or to, to give mercy. It is up to the jerks. And if the government proves its case beyond a reasonable doubt, that is not the last question. That doesn't end the analysis yeah. for the jerks. Uh, by, by constitutional design, the jury is supposed to be a check on government, not just a fact-finding mechanism. And what has happened over the course of legal history is that the legal profession has sort of waged war, and I'll, I'll just say the judiciary especially. Mm-hmm. Judges don't like uh, the, the fact that juries can second-guess them. For example, let's say a, a hypothetical example where a judge thinks that a particular gun law is perfectly fine, it's constitutional. Oh, yeah, there's that thing called the Second Amendment, but, well, there's the... The, the law in question uh, is somehow consistent with the Second Amendment right to bear arms. The judge might think that, but it is up to any individual juror to say, well, is that true? Let me think about it. It's yeah. up to the jury, not the judge. Well, this has been a huge criticism, and it's funny you bring up Second Amendment because I wanted to talk about this you know, as well, because when I used to live in California, I'm, I'm Florida now, but in California, you know, it was always kind of like my, my dream to get on a Second Amendment case and have somebody defending their home or, or carrying arms in public or something like that and say, well, the law says you can't do that. You can't have a permit because the government decides on a, on a good cause reason for having it. And I would get up in the jury and say, no, this is wrong. The Second Amendment says you have the uninfringable right to own and carry any firearm. Now, it doesn't say you have the right to use it anyway, but you do have the right to own and carry it, and the government can't touch that. And I would rule on that basis. And uh, But it never happened, of course. But uh, that's what's going on with Second Amendment cases. We could overturn all these laws by having juries simply refuse to convict uh, and just go strictly by the Second Amendment. Yeah, and believe it or not, it does happen. Even though, like I said, the, the judges falsely instruct the jurors yep. every, at every level. Uh, some states are better than others, frankly. Uh, the federal level is horrible. The federal <laughs> judges, I mean, I'm not kidding. It's horrible. They, yeah. they will actually just emphasize the word must. Yeah. They'll say, if you find the defend that the government proved its case, you must find the defendant guilty. They'll actually emphasize the word must. Why don't we arrest and them? Can we get rid of these judges? Uh-huh. Listen, it's almost by collusion. I won't say conspiracy. It's it's almost by this mutual sort of understanding. If you go through three years of law school and Mm -hmm. then you're uh, either elected or appointed to a judge position, it's this sort of of mutual understanding that you you know the law better than a common person. Mm -hmm. And and, and after you go through three years of law school, you look at a courtroom differently. You you look at uh, the judge in the courtroom as the master or the superior, and you look at the jurors, who really are the superior by constitutional design, as as people that need to follow instructions. Mm -hmm. And the opposite is true. The Founding Fathers intended that the jurors, which are a a sort of a perennial check on government, you could say another branch of government in some ways, it is the jurors whose, whose highest duty is to act as a check on government and in some ways to be master over the judge, not the other way around. Well, that's what I thought. The judge is like a referee. They make sure that they explain the, 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 the various punishments you know, between, like you said, first degree and second degree murder. They make sure that the rules of evidence are followed. They make sure that the objections and things are done and the trial is conducted properly. But they do not 
interpret the law because to interpret is to change as far as I'm concerned. They do not tell the juries what they can and can't do. That's not their responsibility. Um, and I got a great quote here from the FIJA website. So if you want to go to this, F-I-J-A, that's FIJA.org. And it says, the primary function of the independent juror is not, as many think, to dispense punishment to fellow citizens accused of breaking various laws, but rather to protect fellow citizens from tyrannical abuses of power by government. The Constitution guarantees you the right to trial by jury. This means that government must bring its case before a jury um, of the people. If government wants to deprive any person of life, liberty, or property, jurors can say no to government tyranny by refusing to convict. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what are you working on? You, you're, you're, do you have any cases uh, of Profigia that you're working on right now? Other than the, I know you're doing the Clive and Bundy thing. Uh, well, actually, uh, you know, CJ is always looking for test case, the, the, the case that might go to the Supreme Court and lay down this rule okay. uh, as clearly as ever. See, the problem is that there have been, uh, over time, over the generations, a series of, of close cases and split decisions mm-hmm. at the United States Supreme Court. And, you know, some judges say, well, you know, the, sure, the jurors have the power to, to nullify Sure, the ju- I'm sure the jurors have the power to to declare not guilty in any case for any reason. Mm-hmm. Sure, that's true, but but the judges shouldn't tell them. They shouldn't be informed that they have that that power. How did that come about? Where did we go wrong? Where did judges get this? I mean, they always had a superior attitude, but where where was the change from the founding fathers, which said that the jurors are? I mean, in common law precedent, you're supposed to test the laws. Uh, in court cases, and juries are supposed to rule on those laws. How do we get from there to judges being these supreme people where one little federal judge in the middle of nowhere totally overturns like the presidential travel ban, things like that? Where do we go wrong? Uh, it's been very gradual. It, okay. it didn't happen all at once. Uh, like I said, all through the 1800s, it was mer- just understood, and the judges would tell the jurors, uh, yeah, you are the judge of the law and the facts. Yeah. Uh, but by the end of the 1800s, you know, there started to be this organized legal profession that thought it, you know, it, it needed a little bit more uh, authority. You know, and so some, uh, anyway, there was a Supreme Court case around the end of the 1800s, and it was called Sparf and Hansen versus the United States. Anyway, it's a very long case. It has right. multiple concurrences, dissents, etc. It was a split decision, and the question there was, in a murder case, does the juror does the jury have a right to know that they can convict for manslaughter? All right, now, that's sort of a jury nullification-type question. Yeah. And it, it is true, by the way, in a murder case, the jury has a right to go with a manslaughter conviction, not a murder conviction. In that case, though, there was a question of whether they, the jury needed to be informed. And it's funny. They, there was The judges on the U.S. Supreme Court battled. I mean, it was, it was a very long case with lots of uh, a split decision with different opinions on hmm. the question. And then, but it, it ultimately came out, well, the, ju- the judges don't need to fully inform them. And then from that decision on, it got a little bit, it's gotten a little bit worse, frankly. And if, if you do polling among lawyers, like that lawyer you talked about at the beginning, mm-hmm. you'll find those that believe that the jury, the commoners, are never supposed to even think about the constitutionality of, of the laws that they are that they are uh, applying. They're never supposed to think about the law, never supposed to think about overarching questions of mercy or abuse uh, by the prosecution, never supposed to think about it. Yeah. They're just supposed to decide on the facts. The, 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 the bar, the organized legal profession, 
is probably, I'd hate to say it, it's at least two-thirds against us. In other words, I would, I would estimate two-thirds of all lawyers uh, believe the jury has to be kept in the dark and, and just deceived in this way. The public, of course, is on our, is on our side. Yeah. The public, you do polling overwhelmingly, believes in the right of the, of the jury to act as a check on government. When I told my mother, my mother's an educated person, and mm-hmm. I told her once that, oh, you're not even supposed to read the Constitution <laughs> when you sit what? on the jury. I, I, I told my mother that according to, to current law that now is imposed in most federal courtrooms that was, and states, I told my mother, one of the most judges, you're not even supposed to read the Constitution while you sit on a jury. They don't want you to look at the Constitution. She was shocked. Yeah. She couldn't believe it. I can't and I think that's it. the reaction that most people have. But the judges in this country at most levels honestly believe that the jurors are not supposed to even consider or even read the Constitution when they deliberate. Wow. We're going to take a, a little break now. When we come back, I want to sort of give you my description of what I call judge world and lawyer world. It's how I explain it. And I want to tell you about Action Radio, how I'm hoping to empower our citizenry not only to, to be fully informed jurors, but actually to write legislation on this show. And so I think it's going to be quite fun. Uh, my special guest is Dr. Roger Roots, legal advisor to the Fully Informed Jury Association. It's 820 in the morning, and we will be right back. Talking about fully informed juries. Court is now in session. <laughs> That's a dog, the world's greatest producer, Dr. Roots. He has appropriate music for any occasion. Right. That's what makes it fun around here. Um, so I want to talk about uh, and see if this makes sense to you. <clears throat> the way I explain uh, uh, things here, there's like attorney world, which which you're in. First of all, it's law school world, and so you go into this this rarefied atmosphere, just like you were saying before. You learn how to be a lawyer, and you learn how to trust other lawyers uh, and and judgment, and you sort of ignore the people because you're a lawyer. You know more about the law than anybody else. Then you get into attorney world, which is even a more rarefied group, and then if you get appointed to a judge, you're in judge world, which is even a more select group from that. And every step up the ladder, you get more increasing power and more arrogance and more corruption. And you sort of feel that uh, you know everything. And it, I was listening to Neil Gorsuch in the confirmation hearings. I'm not a big fan of his because he was talking about, really? well, yeah, because he, I listened to two things on, he says, you know, marriage law is already settled, referring to the Supreme Court's case saying that gay marriage is okay and the states can't take it up anymore. It's not settled at all. It hasn't even begun to be settled. And the other one was he was talking about the Second Amendment. He says, well, I'm going to follow, you know, the law, the case law, as, as determined by the Supreme Court. That's nonsense, too, because most of the Supreme Court cases completely infringe on the Second Amendment all the time. So he is a judge that is more in favor of case law over the Constitution. So I don't know if people picked up on that. Check the hearings out again and see what you think. But um, but Judge World, does that kind of make sense how that whole arrogance thing works? Well, you nailed it. <laughs> you, you totally <laughs> nailed it. I can tell you. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And as you go, you know, one, one point you made that I completely agree with, and it's a subtle point, but as, as lawyers go up in the hierarchy, yeah. they get worse. In other words, the judges, the people who make it to the judge level, are the worst of the worst in terms of trusting government, uh, being comfortable with government authority over others. It is that group, you know, it's hard to get a libertarian on the bench. It almost never happens. There are so many barriers to that. What you get on the bench as as judges Mm -hmm. are those who are the most trustful 
of the state. That's the scariest thing I think I've ever heard on this show. <laughs> and it really is. And uh, first of all, I want to invite callers to call in. If you've ever been called for jury duty, if you have a story for us, if you're about to be called or you, you, you've been called already for jury duty, if you just want to learn what to, to do on a jury, you know, if you have a case in particular where something happened in court that you can talk about, I'd love to hear from you at 623-1330. So feel free to give us a shout. Um, Dr. Roots, what I want to do... Uh, is turn talk radio into action radio. And the whole point of that is to empower people. And when we talk about the Constitution, I mentioned that I don't read what other people have written about the Constitution. I don't want to be slanted by that. I just read the Constitution. It's written in plain language. It's accessible to anybody. You don't have to be an attorney to read it. You don't have to be a judge to interpret it. It, it, it says we the people, not what we the elite judges will tell you. Okay? And so we're going to actually write bills on the air. And the website's in the process. It's going to be out fairly soon. I know I keep saying that, but it's really complex. Anyway, but we're going to start doing that, and people are going to be empowered not only to, um, to, to be fully informed jurors, but to write their own laws, because my, my whole guiding principle is that the people give their consent to be governed through writing the laws by which they are governed, and that is a brand new legal theory that, uh, that basically I came up with. That, that's what's going to govern my show. What do you think? I think it's a great idea. Wow, that is a great idea. Yeah. Uh, well, good, I, stay informed, because I'm going to need your help when it comes to jury uh, laws. Yeah. Okay, now here's another um, one. I want to, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. All right. I was okay. going to say, with regard to the jury yeah. issues, you know, some states have tried uh, things uh-huh. such as uh, laws on the books that require, you know, bills to require that uh, judges tell jurors of their power. Yeah, I got one of those, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, and they go up, you know, it's, it's, it's the kind of a thing that has had some very, very limited success in a couple states. Mm-hmm. New Hampshire has passed something. It's a little bit watered down. But anyway, ultimately, you know, it would be great if, if uh, you know, bills are passed. You know, I'm, I, by the way, other people on, on the FIJA board disagree with this. because I know. I've talked to hopeless. them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's hopeless. Don't even, you know, don't yeah. even go to legislatures and try to get any change because it's hopeless. I actually think that it's, you know, there is some hope. Okay. Uh, one thing about it is there needs to be laws that, Specify that if the judge falsely instructs the jury, Ooh. that that is a mistrial and absolute reversible error on appeal. Oh, I you love know, it. That has that clause has to be in there. Okay. Well, this is why I need your help when I start drafting legislation. I'll, I'll tell you about my mandatory jury instruction in a second. But Gino's calling. I want to get him on the line right now to uh, to to put his point here. Uh, so Gino, go ahead. Hey, I just every time I hear somebody that you know, know something about laws and the court system. What do you feel about the uh, minimum mandatory sentencing uh, that, you know, that we have now that, you know, a judge that nobody has any say so you get X amount of years, period. I think that's more legislation, but uh, Dr. Roots, what do you think? Uh, it's definitely an issue. That you, well, one thing about it, you've seen that kind of thing, and that goes way back. Okay. Uh, there's a long history of that. It, it's terrible. I can tell you I'm working on the, the Bundy case, which some of, the, of, the, of your listeners probably are aware of. It's this case in Nevada where this, the feds came in and tried to round up all these cows on the desert that belonged to Clive and Bundy. And anyway, there was sort of a standoff, and the feds claimed that they were scared and gave up the cows. Now they're charging these guys with, all of these mandatory minimum uh, firearm uh, federal charges, right. and if convicted, uh, these guys are looking at potentially life in prison, and there are mandatory minimum sentences all through that indictment. 
So if they're convicted of a particular count, it's mandatory minimum seven years in federal prison. If they're convicted of another count, which is a duplicate, uh, using firearms in a crime of violence, mandatory minimum 25 years to life. And then there's a third count of the same charge. So I'm dealing with that thing, that, that kind of thing all the time. It is very evil. However, I would say that it's also longstanding in history. So that kind of thing. The third, of, you know, third offense is mandatory you know, capital punishment or life in prison. That's not exactly a new idea. Yeah, but I think what would be interesting, uh, and I'm sure, of course, the juries aren't being told this, but do juries have an impact on sentencing? Can they say that we disagree with the mandatory sentence, or do they have to nullify the whole thing if the sentence is too great? What can juries do about sentences? Uh, that is uh, another huge area of concern. Okay. By and large, the, the jurors are totally in the dark about sentencing implications, and it's deliberately that way. They are kept in the dark because the judges don't want them to know it, and the prosecutors don't want them to know the sentencing implications of what they're doing. Wow. And, in fact, they are instructed at most levels. You are not even to think about the potential sentences. They are actually told that they're not even supposed to look it up, not supposed to think about it. Huh. And you see a lot of abuses of this because sometimes jurors think that they're slapping someone on the wrist and and giving him you know probation or six months in jail they they later find out that the judge then took their verdict and sentenced the the defendant to 40 years in in prison that could have changed the whole verdict had they known that ahead of time absolutely oh this is getting worse than i thought i got a quote here from the constitution society which i don't know if you know about them but they, they do a lot it looks like a lot of parallel writing to what i found on the fiji site and it says, why did our founding fathers expect citizen juries to judge our laws as well as the guilt of the individual? And the answer is, if a juror accepts as the law that which the judge states, then that juror has accepted the exercise of absolute authority of a government employee and has surrendered a power and right that once was the citizen's safeguard of liberty. And that's a quote from 1788. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, when you think about it, why did the Founding Fathers work so hard to get the right to trial by jury in the Constitution? Good question. They didn't do that because they thought the jury was just a fact-finding mechanism. That isn't why they did that. They did it because they intended fully that the jurors would be one of the most important, I would say the most important, I can't think of one more important, frankly, mm -hmm. check on the power of government. And, you know, and it, you know the, in the Constitution, the right to jury trial is in there several times. It's in the, in the pre-Bill of Rights, uh, in our Article 3 of the Constitution, even before the Bill of Rights was attached, there's a right to jury trial. Then in, in the Sixth Amendment, there's a right to jury trial. There's a Seventh Amendment right to jury trial in civil cases. And, of course, there's also a grand jury clause in the Fifth Amendment. So the Founding Fathers absolutely were intent on... Uh, shackling the government, binding, you know, strapping down the government mm -hmm. with uh, the chains of juries. Juries were supposed to monitor and check and control government. And that's been totally changed around. And this is, I want to go back to some of the, uh, uh, which cases you're familiar with that kind of uh, brought this about in the founding days and then how it changed. I want to give you my, uh, my mandatory jury instructions, see what you think of this. Uh, so jury, my, my law, when I, when I get this into a bill, it says the juries before deliberating will receive a Miranda-type mandated instruction from all judges. And that instruction is you have the right to judge the laws as well as the facts of the case. And if you find the laws unjust or unconstitutional, you have the right, power, and duty to nullify the laws uh, and can acquit or find not guilty on that basis alone. 
What if they got that I instruction? Like that. Yeah. Well, I like that language. You know, we're always quibbling. That's funny. I, I've worked on similar kind of, you know, actually writing bills is not as easy as a lot of people think. You have to get your language very precise. Mm-hmm. The founding fathers, of course, struggled. You know, Madison struggled with, uh, with uh, you know, Adams, and, and uh, you know, they all struggled against each other with regard to the precise wording of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually very much like it. Like I said, there needs to be one of those clauses, the remedy clause, saying that if it doesn't happen, if the judge fails to fully inform and instruct yeah. the jury, uh, it's a done deal, a mistrial and reversible error on appeal. Let me add that to my uh, my clause that I have there, if judge fails to instruct. And I put them yeah, in, and by in, the way, yeah. uh, let me just tell you, there are actually four states whose constitutions, state constitutions, Got them right here. actually do have mm-hmm. uh, provisions for fully informed juries. They actually say in their state constitutions uh, that juries are to be judges of both the law and the fact. Let me what? think, what are those two? Oh, no, I've got them right here. No, I've got the quotes. I'm way ahead of you. <laughs> okay, I, I do my right. homework, okay? So I've got the four right. states right here. I've got the exact language. I want to go over that after we take another break, and Pete wants to talk to you as well. So we're going to do that in just a little bit. It's 835 now, and I have my special guest, Dr. Roger Root, legal advisor to the Fully Informed Jury Association. We will be right back. Talking about fully informed juries and jurors and all that, so our, our legal theme here. Anyway, all right, let's bring back uh, Dr. Roots. How you doing, sir? There we are. Are you there? I'm, I'm here. Okay, good. Just want to make sure. Okay, there we go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think <laughs> I think we left you off hold for a bit. You're sort of listening to me chatting with my producer, but uh, I'm really happy with oh. uh, with uh, this show. I've been wanting to do this for for a long time. Um, You've got my article uh, on the Moran instruction for jurors, and that's where that language is. And I want to add that clause that you recommended on uh, if the judge fails to instruct, that goes to a mistrial. And I think that would be fascinating to put that uh, in. And I don't know if you can bring that before the Fiji board. You're saying that you don't think they'd, they'd go for uh, a federal and, or state-mandated jury instructions like that law that I'm proposing? Well, now, the Fiji board, let me just say, Fiji is a nonprofit educational organization. Okay. So it cannot, uh, you know, it's a little bit bound. It can't be political lobby. Oh, okay. All right. So we we educate. We don't politically lobby. Well, that's my job, then. Um, yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. And, of course, I think Fiji, you know, we all would support, you know, efforts along these lines, of course. Well, but uh, it, we're an educational organization. Okay. Well, in that case, uh, I'm going to ask you at some point how you fully inform jurors. We're going to get into that in a little bit. But i got Pete wants to uh, talk to you right now, so let's bring in Pete. Pete, go ahead. What you got? Hey, Dr. Roger. How are you guys doing? I'm doing fine. Hey, uh, I have doing a couple of, couple of little questions and comments. One, I, I have a problem with jurors, uh, if, and I'm not an anarchist or anything. I was in, involved in a jury one time, and the, the cat was being charged with two life sentences, and we weren't told. And uh, and that would have made a big difference. Another one, uh, there was a, a victim that filed four different lawsuits about sexual harassment against her bosses, and three of them were settled out of court for uh, cash settlements. And the fourth one, it was my cousin, and he said, "Not no, but H-E ho- uh, double hockey sticks. No, I'm, I'm not pleading. No, you know, contest anything. I did not do it. Took him to court, cost him thousands. And the second the court case was over." His attorney said, by the way, this lady's filed four different charges, this very same thing, and if they don't settle out of court, they take you to court. And the jurors weren't 
notified about that, you know. Well, good question. Hold on to that, Pete. Let's, let's find out. How much do you think uh, juries should be informed about previous cases, out-of-court settlements, uh, things like that, Dr. Ritz? Uh, you know, that's a tricky question because, uh, you know, I'm sort of uh, pro-defendant. I'm pro-criminal uh, defense, not okay. prosecution. Okay. And so, you know, it is one of those things that comes up a lot. I mean, many defendants have prior records. And it's unfortunate that if a guy is on trial, let's say, for, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, a gun charge, okay. uh, and, 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 you know, he's, if he has prior history, as a, you know, if, if the jury is fully aware that this guy is an absolute scumbag, you know, like he's, <laughs> he's, he's been arrested a dozen times for uh, spousal abuse, uh, heroin, he's a junkie, right. uh, you know, and if the jury, you know, so it is, unfortunately, you know, people will will tend to size a guy up based on his prior record and that's unfair to the right. guy okay. the guy you know so there is a right uh that the jury just considered did you commit the shoplifting charge that you're currently on trial for okay. not not the stuff you know five years ago the rape the rape thing that you were accused of <laughs> you know if they knew of that no, that makes most, sense most, you know and so it's yeah. a tricky question yeah now, that makes a lot of sense. How do you fully inform jurors? How, how does Fiji work? Well, it's you know, it's outreach in any in any way in in all directions. Uh, obviously, Fiji uh, generates brochures, pamphlets, and flyers, and things. People everywhere, sometimes at courthouses or around courthouses, will pass out flyers and things. Sometimes they run into trouble where the prosecution doesn't like it and uh, will falsely accuse them of, ju of uh, jury tampering. Oh, okay. They will use jury tampering charges. First, the crime of jury tampering is an ancient recognized crime. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, true jury tampering is when you go up to a juror and you either pay the juror, you bribe the juror, or you threaten the juror and say, if you don't come down on the case in, this, in the way I want, I'm going to uh, take your kneecaps off or something. <laughs> That's true jury tampering. Yeah. All right. But uh, you'll see around the country there have been a few cases where there are uh, some guys out near the courthouse, maybe in front of the courthouse, handing out flyers, just fully informing the jurors as they come in, and they get accused of jury tampering, just for fully informing the potential jurors of their rights yeah. and the, the great history of trial by jury. This should be in every education system, in, in the basic civics classes, of, of the right of, uh, of jurors and the power of jurors uh, over the government, but it's not. It really should be in every, absolutely, uh, yeah. it, there should be much more education about this. Of course, the government does not like to support education along these lines. They don't, they don't want fully informed <laughs> citizens. <laughs> right. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's take Charles, who has, uh, has a question for you. Charles, why don't yes, you go good ahead. Good morning. Good show. Thank you. I have to ask the doctor, uh, he mentioned that uh, all this was possibly happening by accident. Uh, and he didn't use the word conspiracy. How does the government... And the government, when they charge people with a conspiracy to uh, market cocaine or conspiracy to uh, do this, that, or the other, how do how do what, what defines a conspiracy? Uh, well, in, in, the, in the law. Uh, well, the fe the federal prosecutors love to charge people with conspiring to break the law, and uh, they cite these federal statutes to say if two or more people agree to break the law, then the government doesn't even have to prove that they broke the law. I mean, it's what? astounding. So, oh, well, I, I, guess, it. I guess my question is, then, why would not all this that's happening with the public school systems, with the uh, 
with this jury, uh, uninformed jury, why couldn't you call that a conspiracy? Somewhere down the line, some people changed it, and without and, and Roosevelt said years ago that anything that happens in politics does not happen by accident. Is planned that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that gets back to the great question of where we went wrong. So, in in, in juries and judges. Well, yeah. maybe maybe we need to look at it like this. Maybe we didn't go wrong. They didn't go wrong. They there's another old saying that the height of political intelligence is to have your acts of intent look like errors of stupidity. That's right. Ooh, good <laughs> point. Right. I hadn't heard so that before. So maybe this is all happening intentionally, not yeah. accidentally. Because if you take this quote and look at the evidence, yeah. I think the evidence would show that there are powerful people behind these uh, so-called uh, unintentional acts that uh, would, would point to the fact that a conspiracy, by my definition, is when two or more people get together and plot evil mm-hmm. in secrecy. Yeah, it makes and sense. Certainly, it, it, it right now, not... Trump's being accused of a conspiracy with the Soviet Union, and <laughs> I don't know why we have such a problem with conspiracy. Well, uh, like I said, I mean, it's it's collusion or mutual agreement or conspiracy. Uh, you know, it's it's almost easier to look at lawyers. Hmm. as uh, just in, they have a self-interest. It is in their self-interest to promote that view of uh, legal practice, that they have superior knowledge to the common layman. And it, so it's in their self-interest. And you, you can look at, they, it, they don't need a conspiracy, frankly. When it's in their self-interest, all of them, to especially judges, you know, the particular subset of lawyers, hmm. it is in their self-interest to promote this theory of the law that they tell the jurors what the law is. The jurors are, are in, uh, to be instructed that they can't even think about the law. It's in their self-interest. So I don't even think it needs a conspiracy, frankly, because each one of them acting individually will act in a way that gives the appearance of conspiracy. Yeah, that's true. In other words, they're, just sort of, they're collectively doing it together, talking about it you know, at their dinners and lunches and things, and uh, it, just, it just sort of filters through that this is how they maintain their power without actually saying, this is how we're going to maintain our power. They just kind of do it. Um, I want to bring up the, the Marbury v. Madison case, which is where I think a lot of our problems began when the judges, uh, the, federal, the Supreme Court took it upon themselves to start interpreting the Constitution rather than limiting. In a way, it's kind of sidelined into this power that if we can interpret the law, we we can tell everybody else how to interpret the law. Do you see like a, a, a sort of a following, like a transfer of power from uh, judicial review into judicial tyranny or, or tyranny over the ju- over the juries? Well, absolutely. The, the two are related. Okay. Um, you know, the Constitution does not actually say that judges will have any kind of sole power to interpret the law above or any above or beyond anybody else. And that's not even mentioned in the Constitution. There's no idea about that in the Constitution. But as you, you mentioned, Madison, uh, Marbury versus Madison, a, a very early Supreme Court case, uh, which sort of laid the, the groundwork for this idea that the judges, the Supreme Court, decide what the Constitution means. Uh, that was not the original intent of the, of the Founding Fathers. The, the Founding Fathers, in fact, you can find some quotes that, where they indicate that the Constitution is to be written in language that can be understood by anyone. Yep. And in practice, you know, the, the, the other branches have the right to independently interpret the, the Constitution the way they uh, would do so. And, and the common man, the citizens of the United States, 
also have that right. But, uh, you know, it certainly it goes along the same lines. There has been this long trend, a trend in the legal profession and the judiciary, to sort of try to do everything they can to take the power of interpretation from all other sources, including the other two branches. Yeah, way. yeah, exactly. And I got a couple of quotes here. Uh, it is not only the juror's right, but his duty to find the verdict according to his own best understanding, judgment, and conscience through indirect, though in direct opposition to the direction of the court. And that was John Adams in 1771. Another one here, it is usual for the jurors to decide the facts and to refer the law arising on it to the decision of the judges, but this division of the subject lies with their discretion only, and if the question relate to any point of public liberty, or if it be one of those in which the judges may be suspected of bias, the jury undertake to decide both law and fact, and that's Thomas Jefferson. So they, they agreed way back when, but I think, like I say, John Jay, the first Supreme Court justice, was also a, a person who was fully in favor of, of jury jury nullification and uh, the jury's supremacy over the judge, but it wasn't until John Marshall, I think it was like the fourth Supreme Court justice, that, that hold the Marbury versus Madison, and that's, I think, which once that went wrong, it was kind of like a cancer that spread through the entire judiciary, and that's what got us to our state today. Yes, and it has definitely grown, that idea, the idea that uh, the lawyers mm -hmm. and especially judges have some special knowledge of the law, yeah. and that was not the original intent. Yeah, that I, that idea has grown through about throughout American history. Wow, we only got uh, a little bit of time left. I have to take another break. Uh, we got uh, a couple of callers on the line, and I want to get to the just maybe one of the uh, the situations: Maryland, Indiana, Oregon, and Georgia specifically say that the jurors are empowered to judge the law, and we'll get back to that in, in just a little bit. Eight fifty one. Here we're going to take our last break with Dr. Roger Roots of the Fully Informed Jury Association. <laughs> The mystery continues as to uh, what you can do as a juror, sneaking into back courtrooms, deciding what you will. <laughs> Who says we don't have fun here with these issues? Dr. Roots, welcome back. Um, it's interesting, I was going over some of these... Um, these constitutional uh, provisions in the, in the cases here, and some of them are good, some of them have exceptions. Uh, Maryland's uh, says that in all in the trial of all criminal cases, the jury shall be the judges of the law. I like that language as well as the fact, except that the court may pass upon the sufficiency of the evidence to sustain a convic conviction. So I always have these little disclaimers in there what uh, what the judge can uh, what the juries can do. Uh, Indiana says in all criminal cases whatsoever what's whatever excuse me the jury shall have the right to determine the law and the facts. That's probably the purest one. Yeah. Um, Oregon, Oregon says, in all criminal cases, whatever, the jury shall have the right to determine the law and the facts. Oh, here we go. Under the direction of the court as to the law and the right of a new trial as in civil cases. So you see little disclaimers in there? Uh, yeah, and keep in mind what has happened even in those states, Indiana even, uh, even with that powerful language, you wouldn't think there could, they could be... Uh, any, any, there could be any quibbling with that language. However, the judges over time in Indiana even mm -hmm. have gradually watered that down and said, well, okay. And then so, and then you find that when a guy gets convicted, uh, in violation of that, well, it's not overturned. That's why you need those overturn clause. You need the, the clause in there that says, any failure to fully inform the jury, uh, shall result in reversal on appeal or something like that. Okay, or mistrial, uh, yeah. Yeah, because over time, the judges will gradually take even those state constitutional provisions and water them down 
and say, well, they don't really mean what they say they mean. Right. They don't apply in every case, and there's a lot of little conditions. And, you know, <laughs> in Georgia, I think the Georgia Constitution has a great uh, uh, jury rights provision in it. Mm-hmm. But the judges in Georgia, maybe even the Georgia Supreme, Supreme Court, has ruled, well, oh, yeah, they're the judge of the law in the facts, but only in cases where we decide <laughs> we the judges. Oh, yeah, I've got the Georgia one right here. Yeah, it says, The right to a trial by jury shall remain inviolate, except that the court shall render judgment without the verdict of a jury in all civil cases where no issuable defense is filed. Yeah, they have some other things. But, yeah, it's... Ugh. Yeah, been... it's, it's, it's the, you could call it human nature of people who are in, on the bench. Yeah. It is in their self-interest. You know, it's in their self-interest to seek power and to seek greater authority and greater jurisdiction. Yeah. And so you see gradual movement where, oh, yeah, that's sure. That's a, a great principle in, in, in thought. It looks good on paper. But yeah. in this case, you know, I, the judge, will decide that, you know, the, the jury has no such authority. Constitution you know, is just so, a suggestion. Yeah. I, I want to get to uh, Marshall real quick here. And first of all, thank you for coming on the show. It's been fabulous to have you. We're going to have to get you back more on the Clive and Bundy thing. But I want to get Marshall in with his question. Marshall, go ahead. Yeah, my question is, would you recommend the Bundy defendant, or if you found yourself a defendant, would you take the stand and inform the jury yourself? Ooh, great question. Well, let me think about that. I would say uh, it depends on the case, but I, I'm a proponent of taking the stand. I, I'm a, I think defendants, by and large, benefit themselves when they take the stand. Keep in mind they are subject to all kinds of problems and attacks, uh, especially if they have background problems, which many defendants do. Um, and when you when you take the stand and you try to inform the jury of this, by the way, I've actually seen this uh, happen occasionally. Uh, the judges frequently react with uh, overwhelming uh, anger, punishment. Uh, they will try to warn or threaten the person. Um, sometimes it doesn't help, frankly, because the it, it, you know, and but that that's not always the case. Many jurors are aware of their of their true powers, but in, to the extent that they're not aware, do they become aware just because the defendant says this, and then they have, and, and then they hear the judge, uh, you know, overrule essentially the defendant. Yeah. You know, so I don't know the effect of it. Uh, I have to interrupt I, you. We're out of time. It's been fabulous to have you on the air, sir. I'll send you my language with the update. That's great. Marshall, you hit it out of the park with your question. Uh, but I have to have you. And that's how they did it back then. Uh, this is five years ago. And so it was fascinating. That was Dr. Roger Roos. He was on earlier this year talking about how the Western states, the land that's all federal is not legally federal. Constitutionally, it actually belongs to the states. And so if the states wanted to start drilling oil on state land, all they have to do is kick out the feds, and that would be the western states like Nevada, Arizona, California, Washington, Oregon, all these states on the, on the western part of the country, Wyoming, uh, the Dakotas, you know, Colorado, any of these states that have a, a lot of federal land, well, any, any state that has any federal land, the only federal land that's allowed is D.C., uh, the border areas, and those uh, un, under the buildings that are necessary as arsenals, docks, things like that. That's it. So all the land that uh, the feds have taken over. Uh, is not legal. And we talked about that with Dr. Roger Roots more recently. So it's good for me to hear these old episodes because I can then back and make sure that the language we talked about for our, our fully informed jury uh, act, you know, the, the mandatory juror instructions, and I have to put that provision that you talked about for reversal on appeal or, or a guaranteed mistrial if the judge fails to instruct the jurors of their, of their rights. 
And so that was kind of interesting. Anyway, it was interesting looking at the date of this too. So the Fiji interview was, was July 13th of 2017. Now it's interesting that I was fired from WBY on July 13th of 2018, exactly one year later. Of course, I didn't know that then, right? And it was because another station had bought WBY and they didn't want action radio. And so I was out uh, and that's how that worked. That's how I ended up on blog talk, you know, after, uh, after a little while, it was December of 2018 when I picked up a blog talk and we're coming up on not, um, Actually, no, this Monday, coming up, Monday the 10th, we're coming up on our 1,000th show on Blog Talk. So I'm going to go check the language out. I'm going to check out what we talked about you know, on that particular report, get those quotes, get those states. But I want to improve the, uh, the law that, uh, with the recommendations from Dr. Roots, send him the new copy of the law. Uh, there's not a big gap. Once, once we uh, lost out, it took a while to sort of build back from uh, what we lost at WBY. But you see, we had callers. You know, we had a great show. We had fabulous guests. I had a producer. You know, we had sound effects, special stuff. We had a lot of things going. It, that would easily have been a huge national show, I believe, had we been allowed to continue with Action Radio uh, at WBY. But we didn't, and here we are now on Blog Talk continuing. And, of course, Blog Talk is going to be massive, too. Blog Talk has a lot, a lot larger reach around the world because it's all on the Internet. So, you know, I mean, everything, uh, everything helps in one way or another. Anyway, a couple things to play for you. Back tomorrow. Tomorrow we've got uh, the Wednesday show. We've got uh, Bill Fecky with his report. We've got Wendy Arthur with the Oh My God report. Uh, we've got uh, the, the Wednesday Women of Wellness. And then we've got uh, Captain Tom Stewart. So it's going to be a busy day. I mean, all the days are busier on here. So join us tomorrow, 7 a.m. Central Time, and I'll leave you a couple of things here. If you want to check out our legislation, particularly uh, vaccine product liability and uh, getting rid of big tech censorship, those are the two big bills right now. You'll find those at writeyourlaws.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S, writeyourlaws.com. You click on legislation, and then on the menu bar, then click on all proposed laws, and that's where you find those laws. And also read our broadcast page. Read the broadcast page uh, that you're looking at right now at uh at blog talk radio for us and it's got all kinds of information it's got our discount codes it's got uh paypal if you want to donate uh, it's got my email uh, greg at writeyourlaws.com if you want to be a sponsor uh, it's got our schedule it's got a lot of information every day that changes so that's how that works all right i will talk to you all tomorrow this is greg penglis so what is action radio it is a radio show with its own citizen legislature that's you the listener it is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizen action. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.